Words of the Wise, we are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. This week, we're starting the last book in the Greenbone Saga, Jade Legacy, and we're reading chapters one through eight, all by Magnificent Fonda Lee. Last book so far. Mm, no. Hey there, this is Cross. I'm PJ. And I'm Ben. I'm Aaron. And I'm Thomas. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. Got a nice breakfast intoxication going today. It's a brunch party. We're having a brunch party. Girls, let's go to brunch. Fucking love brunch. Spill the tea. Me too. (laughs) Give me the hot gas. I think... I think in my dating profile from a while ago, I had hiring a forever brunch date mm. as Aww. one of the lines. Nice. Yeah. Did, Did that work? work? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I frequently, I remember getting commentary of like, where's the application? But, you know, mm. that was the, yeah. You're like, I'm my dick. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Aaron, that's, <laughs> that's extreme. <laughs> it's 11.30 in the morning. I think that's uh, illegal now. I remain unchanged by the daylight. <laughs> <laughs> Unalterable. Ineffable. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can tell I have never been on a dating app before. <laughs> Success. A common response to that type of thing. Yeah. I on a dating say, app. That's the opposite. <laughs> Maybe I belong there. (laughs) Bye, John. I think you fit in. (laughs) Just doing research. (laughs) (laughs) It's for a book, I swear. (laughs) So today is our first episode. We're going to be talking about chapters one through eight. And our featured cocktail is one that we're all having together. I think for the first time on this show, mostly all. Sicky out over here is out. But we're all having beer moses. Mm-hmm. Anyone have a preferred beer for a is beer yours, mosa? Cross is yours in a steel cup. It is just it keeps it colder, so it's like guys hydro really class for brunch. Drinking. I like any beer, but cheap beer works well. Take okay. seven domestic beer. Take seven though, that's pretty good. Yeah, and then you get twice as drunk. I was gonna bring some pineapple juice too, but I forgot. And pineapple juice that would've been good. Beer and pineapple juice, great. Mm-hmm. Mm. How about you guys? It's actually a good idea. Never tried that. My college is Nancy, where we went to college. Offensive. Mm. That's offensive. That's offensive. Is it? (laughs) Do people name Nancy? The way you're saying that is offensive. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on TikTok all morning. (laughs) My brain's melted. So I I made mine today with Boneyard Brewing's Crooked Pilsner. But Mm. if I would have like a go to beer for beer mosas, it's strictly driven by nostalgia and like what I used to do in college, which was either hams mm. or PBR. Yeah, I think I feel mm. like cheap beer yeah. it's like bubblier maybe. Like good. It's why waste We'd why waste a nice them. beer? Yeah, if you're gonna put <laughs> yeah. orange juice in it. We would smuggle them into right. the cafeteria in college and have them with <laughs> breakfast on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Didn't you Ben and Ben for my husband's bachelor party they rode the train and they like bought out the whole train oh, snack stand of all the orange juice orange juice yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, someone's gotta <laughs> nice. do it we had an eight hour train ride to chicago i did yeah buy all the orange juice 
Everyone was yeah. very trash by the time we s- stepped off that train. I'm sure you weren't all really annoying mm. to the fellow passengers. I think we were okay. Amtrak. We were in the loud car. <laughs> we, we Harry Potter style. We did get some looks. Was it a loud car before you entered? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. We look around like, this is okay. It's the loud car, right? Yeah. <laughs> Looking at themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm having mine with a Corona. Are you also drinking coffee? No, it's tea. But You're doing yeah. double fist and tea and beer masa? I have four, <laughs> as any brunch should, I have four yeah, beverages. I was going to say, that's how brunch works. I have my Corona beer mosa. Which I've never tried a Corona in a beer mosa. It's great. Really enjoy it, actually. I generally go with the domestic as well. So the Corona beer mosa, my green tea tea. I had the shot that we had for the devil's cut. And then water, of course, in my other hydro flask. What what kind of shot did y'all just take? You sneakily did it. I took tequila. Mm. I don't think I can after. (laughs) The tragedy of which you can hear on the devil's cut. Ooh. The Greek tragedy. PJ, what? what shot did you have? Uh, Miscal. Uh, okay. All right. So we're both in Smoky. the same camp. Yum, yum. Thomas, Drink, did you have Drinking meat. I have, technically it's cold brew from the coffee shop right down the street from me. It's so mild, though. It's basically iced coffee, really, realistically. It doesn't get you, it gives you the energy of cold brew without the jitters and like the bees in your brain. I had the barista. Do a little caramel swirl in there for me, and then I put some oat milk in it because, you know, I'm, I'm helping the planet get my fiber intake as well. That's nice. A little multitasking for you. And water with ice in it because I'm uh, feeling a little fancy today. You're the sober cab. That's that's what we're gonna we're gonna say for this for this brunch. I am the designated driver of this podcast. Yes. Right. <laughs> All right. So farmers have to have really tiny fingers, huh? I would imagine they're just fucking squeezing the teats of those oats. <laughs> is the teat in the center of the oat, or is it on the outside? It's on the top. Like where, where does one find? It's on the top. <laughs> All right, so before we talk about the chapters, PJ, Ben, Aaron, what do you think of this week's reading? What do you think of starting this last book in the trilogy? Mm, the vibes are bad. <laughs> the vibes are bad. <laughs> That's it. Somebody has poisoned the well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No peak has <laughs> no peak. It's bad. This Only not, lows. Yeah. I thought we were going to be in a happier place. You know, Barrow's doing good. Anden seems like he's doing okay. He's like the only one, though. Anden's yeah. in... I'm genuinely... I'm pleasantly surprised with the time jump. I figured it'd be another 10 years. I, I, I figured the Kilos kids would be in their teenage years by the time we got back to the what is it it's like three years like an avatar type i think it's four years since since the end of the book i think i think it's one year is it one year so one year in a month it's been four years since morrow died it's four years but jaya is still a toddler so it can't be four years okay i think I think like a year passes between Morrow's death and then the end of Jade War. Okay. So I think it's been two, three years about. I think at least in the first couple chapters, it's been two-ish years, maybe two and a half because Andon's in his first year of med school and like graduating or something. 
And then they talked about the first year of Wen's recovery. So I think we're year two, like mm-hmm. the end of year two of that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm confused on what the the time marker is at the beginning of each chapter. You will a little confused discuss. about that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a fine place to start that discussion, I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you... Fine place to have it because we'll have it throughout. You lot. You ignoramuses, if you will. What do you think <laughs> that that means? A little time I feel like it's from Hilo becoming Pillar, maybe? The sixth year, first month. Yeah. I thought Lon died like 10 years ago. No? <laughs> no. I don't know why no, I had that For sure head. not. Yeah. You're crazy, Was man. it six years ago? <laughs> six years Two. and one month ago. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I only listen to the audiobooks, so, and they don't read that part. They, they do. do. It's really quick. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Because I listen to it too. Yeah. Ha! Well, is that only on ah, chapter two? your homework. It's only on two, and then it's updated later on, I think, five. Yeah, because yeah, we, we get a little bit of a time skip. We get a couple Whose months. Skip. Is two two is chapter two. Two is It's the Hilo chapter. It yeah. has to do with Hilo. Yeah. I was thinking it was since he became Pillar. You guys know? Are you toying with us? Kind of like it's 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 a little vague. And then like the it's not it's not really like month. there's a. Yep. So six year first, and then six year fourth are the two that we get here. So we're counting up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going back in time. I didn't know if it was a countdown to when all of the No Peak family is destroyed. <laughs> time moves <laughs> dies. <laughs> the tragedy. That would be a cool like literary device. Just put a random time countdown and not say what it is until <laughs> it expires. It That'd be cool. Chuck Palahniuk did that in Survivor Type, and it is, it's instead of a page counter counting up, it's a page counter counting down until an event happens, and then the page count starts going up after that, which is that's cool, fucking Yippee. crazy. Anyway. I mean, yeah. that's kind of cool, but really difficult if you're trying to tell somebody where to go in the book. Like, go to page <laughs> 17. Well. <laughs> which page 17? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I, I think at the very least from the preliminary read, it feels like it's close to just the start of the story, right? With Lon to begin with. That could be the distance between Hilo taking the pillar ship or otherwise, but it's it's definitely using somewhere in Jade City as the starting marker. Okay. I because so I thought, you know, I what do I bring new to this podcast if I'm just another cross, nothing new. So I didn't I again did not read the full book before starting this one because i think it's like a nice little wrinkle on your formula if cross knows literally mm-hmm. everything and i'm t- like halfway in between you guys pier- piecing everything together and so i took it as like the start of the war is that when that countdown which obviously mm-hmm. coincides with helo becoming pillar so i think it's a little i mean we don't know yet yeah it's okay. it's ambiguous between the death of lawn and the the hilo, hilo assuming the pillar ship i think is the way that it's intended so yeah very good. But it gives us a timer now. And now this is also a new literary device of like, all right, I'm not just going to do context clues in the text to tell you how time has mm-hmm. shifted, like the end of Jade War was, where it's like, it's been X number of years. Here's your physical line in the sand when time changes. Mm-hmm. So what's does does anyone have any feelings about that? Any any thoughts, any predictions, any any moves? Mm-hmm. Not yet. Mm. About why we're doing that? Yeah, I don't know. So I, I think even if there's no explicit reason for it, I'm guessing there's going to be, but one thing I was a little bit frustrated with was the 
changes of pace in the previous book and how quickly you could just have a year long jump and kind of miss it. So I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I missed a lot of them. Actually, a counter just for the sake of yeah, clarity. to give you time to tell you right. Let's get into chapter one, Clanless. We open for the last time with Barrow's criminal activity, this time in the double-double. With a much more carefully laid out plan, his Orticon buddies roll out gas grenades onto the floor of his employer and spray paint the future is Clanless on the door before successfully making their way outside and completing what is an act of vandalism. Of all of the Barrow intro chapters, I think this is my favorite and some of that just has to do with the way that he's grown and become more competent, I think. Yeah. Much I like more that competent. <laughs> this and Jade City are both meticulously planned, like, patient executions in their own mind, like, in his mind. But the first one was so sloppy in comparison. And, like, he's really become effective at what he's doing or what he's trying to do. <laughs> so good to see our boy growing up a little bit. He's not our boy. (laughs) Yeah. To see it successful, be successful, and nobody getting caught. I was like, wow. He really has gotten better at this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm liking Barrow more and more the better he gets at it. I'm not liking him. Competence is a huge thing. I like to be Uh, on the winning side, so. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I think this side. This makes so much sense. Like, like now he's in a position where I could in good faith make a moral argument for supporting Barrow. I don't think I could have in the previous books, but now with this organization and like an actual reason behind what he's doing, that's not strictly selfish and like I want Jade. I can I can at least so far more like in good faith get behind him. Moral rightness is when you tear gas civilians. PJ yep. Heller. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't Sometimes kill anybody. That's also an improvement for first chapters or Barrow chapters in general. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like the setting of like the casino with the elevators. You know, cinematic. Very cinematic. That's that's one of the things that I pull out of the big changes, even between book two and book three in general is a lot of this is painted, I think, brilliantly. I love it. I don't, I'm, I, we've, we've talked about this many a time, and I'm, I'm team no hype, but it's important to note that this is one of my favorite books of all time. This is a top fiver. So I'm very excited to talk about this one. Specifically and like, I'm quaking Legacy. every time. Okay. We, yeah. Specifically this book. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not the other two. No, I love the other two, because I only pick one book in a series. It's, it's Legacy that wins it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And there's this whole like concept of maybe the fact that he's inciting revolution, you know, like PJ was mentioning, there's this sort of, there's this new movement, this undercurrent that's maybe been there for a long time that's getting activated in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, and it's connected, but it's different. But with that elevator scene that Aaron was mentioning, the three lantern men talking about sort of their apprehension about no peak and being approached by the mountain clan i'm not sure if we're supposed to get the impression that these are the same people that they that meet with Hilo later or if it's just a much more widespread all the lantern men are being approached in the same way and the sentiments pretty universal 
or at least more outreaching than, than the meeting that we have in the next chapter. But there's a lot of backroom conversations for sure. And I think that the one connecting piece is the bald man of whom is in both yeah. chapters. Okay. We don't know about the rest of them, but that sentiment is spread, like you're saying. I love that Barrow also is maintaining his job at this place. I mean, he's like, he's like, I need this job, but I'm going to vandalize it because like, fuck the clans. But like, I need to still get paid. <laughs> I also like that part. That Which was funny. Great. Yeah. Much smarter from Barrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all want to vandalize our jobs. <laughs> but keep it because we got to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we, they pay me well. We want to burn down the building, but at the same time, we want to make sure we still have a paycheck. <laughs> There's the final line too, and it's sort of the the a modus operandi of sorts for this group that we'll learn more about later too. But the future is clanless is such a strong way to start this book and to like put out that that statement. It was something that Marrow talked about in the last book, being that like going into the future, are the clans going to have as much impact in sort of dramatic fashion? What do you guys make? What do you guys think? Where do you think we're headed? Kind of like the English monarchy. <laughs> The future is queenless <laughs> and kingless. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, especially with Outdated. the book being Jade Legacy, it seems like we're kind of in a battle now for like what it means to be Greenbone and, and to be green and like how Jade is going to be used in the future. It seems like whether the clans are still going to be able to have control over it, that's the the worms are starting to come out of the can on that one. I feel like they're losing control of Jade and how it's being used. And so now that it's becoming much more of a worldwide thing, like what does it mean? And do we even need clans anymore? Are questions that are pe- people are starting to ask. So it'll be interesting to see how they, both clans go against, or I mean like fight against that. It seems like the mountains is, is enabling it which is interesting because it's like they seem to see the future and realize that's the, that is the way of the future and that's where things are going. So they're just trying to have as much control as they can, but that no peak is keeping a much more traditional viewpoint on the situation. And that's where it's like, it's hard to keep that in the box at that point. Do you think the mountain believes that sentiment or are they using it as a means of villainizing no peak? without any intention of actually upholding it. Right. I think they still want to have control, but it's going to be as a different iteration. Like they're going to be wholly different. They're not going to be an old style clan anymore. I don't see. So they're kind of just, they're not necessarily embracing that sentiment, but they're like morphing with it, I guess, or trying to, to roll with that tide. Roll tide. <laughs> Roll tad. No. Was that was that your ad that you wanted to add in? Yeah, that was that's why I had my hand raised. I just wanted I knew Aaron yeah, was gonna yeah. say roll tide, so I was just I was preempted. <laughs> Prepared. <clears throat> to me uh, Arkansas. What's interesting is oh, that Alabama. when we first meet Barrow, so like you read the Bat of the Book and it's like, oh, there's these ancient greenbone clans, blah blah blah, and then you meet this low life criminal and you're like, Oh, okay. So the story's gonna be about him overthrowing these clans. And so mm-hmm. I kind of thought initially that's where this all was going when I first met him because I went in relatively blind. And then by the time you get to Jade Legacy, you're just like, fuck this guy. 
so that I didn't care at all. Like I cared in so far like it moves the story, but I was not rooting for him or have given this planless movement any like moral weight or anything. I was all on no peach side. While in fact he is also the guy trying to overthrow the clans. Mm-hmm. Like he is that farmer boy effectively that most fantasy novels would make your protagonist. Mm-hmm but he's just a little bit more vile and disgusting because that's the society that we're in, which is kind of a fun, you know, parallel to general fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. On, as far as like their marketing go, the future is clanless is very catchy. Easy <laughs> to remember. And like, will it drop like something. In. What's it similar to? I don't know. It sounds like something. Maybe it's just catchy, but it sounds familiar. I don't know. It reminds me of like who's watching The Watchmen. Is it the uh, very similar? Yeah. Good call. In Red Rising, the future is sigilless. I don't know if they say it like that, but there's some of that yeah. vibe going on. Oh, like the future is female. The future is that female. That's, yeah, that's probably what it is. Of course, these yeah. boys didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Of course not. We're not there yet. <laughs> Keep in mind the timing. <laughs> I feel like somebody said the future is colorless at one point. That yeah. might be what I'm thinking of. Red Rising. Cool. Yeah, but it's, you know, I mean, future is as easy to, you know, tag together as a line, but the future is planless works really well here. I did want to tie back into something that Ben was saying. I, I feel like the mountain is promoting nationalism in a big way. Like they are sort of the the staunch walls keep them all out despite having that sort of that obvious hypocrisy wherein no peak is trying to push them further outside of the boundaries right and they're like okay well what's the future of a greenbone clan look like we can't just keep making money here and stay independent right yeah yeah what's Aitmada's end goal here I think it is mm-hmm. to change the clans for good I could see her vying for like control of the country, over the the like actual federal government, and like overthrowing the king. I wouldn't put it past her. But like, mm-hmm. why would she want to? I feel like she can just as effectively do that in her mind as she laid out this grand vision, basically where she would be doing that behind the scenes anyway. To Shay, I think in Jade City, so like. Why even bother when you can just rule behind the scenes? And everyone knows, like when Hilo and Jade War meets with the Espenian ambassador, with Chancellor Sone and the general next to him, Hilo's the power. So it's like everyone really, mm-hmm. everyone knows what's up. Yeah, but if she like entirely changes the way that clans exist, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to go through these like semantics. Uh, the theater yeah yeah and especially as things become more and more international Mm -hmm. not having the roadblocks of a federal government would allow her to conduct business a lot more effectively um but like you said maybe she'd be able to do it anyway so i don't know depends on if the the effort is worth the gain Mm -hmm. i could definitely see the federal government side at all it seems like the Maybe the leaving the prince in place because he's already a figurehead. But yeah, I could see that for sure. She wants to blend gold and jade. Who doesn't? You're not supposed to. Yeah. It's poison, apparently. It's poisonous. You guys have been carrying along <laughs> the whole time. And now we've All got right. now we've got 
an example of somebody in in the book talking about bad jade. When was that? Oh, the, the cruise. Oh, that's uh, just. It I mean, was yeah, like full of dirt. It, they got that dirt jade. Dirt jade. Dirt jade. Got a dirt. Blend dirt. I don't think it. Was, I don't think it was poisoned. <laughs> Maybe. I still think it's poison. God damn it. <laughs> One of these days. Eventually you'll have to drink and suffer. That brings us to chapter two, Betrayal, which we get the first little note that we touched on already in the opening, the sixth year, first month. Call Hilo dines with a group of rebellious lanternmen and Shay. Ostensibly, the goal is to bring the lanternmen to heal, but as ever, Hilo has other plans. And after listening to their grievances, provokes I need help with this one, Fu Yin Khan, into yep, proving beyond a doubt his betrayal of the Nopeat clan. The affronted lantern man offers Hilo a clean bladed duel and re- pick up, and when refused, attempts to assassinate the pillar before being killed. He and Shay argue over the incident before Hilo leaves, heading to the Lilac Divine Gentleman's Club before returning home for the evening. So, right off the bat, not my longest chapter of the week even, but long ass chapter a <laughs> lot going on here and it's kind of split into like three distinct parts mm-hmm. first looking one. over these notes i genuinely like got surprised that these were all the same chapter yeah in retrospect <laughs> i needed a lot that goes on to lay out very detailed notes i'm getting over covid covid brain very fucking real so detailed notes time. from the boy thank you Thank you. Did you thank yeah. yourself on behalf of me? <laughs> Thanking you. Oh, okay. You're welcome. <laughs> First, we get the scene at the Twice Lucky with the Lantern Men, who are essentially trying to collectively bargain for better tribute rates based on their offers from the mountain. And I thought that was so interesting. It was quite interesting it was an interesting play like i was glad that there was more that came of it what came out of it was like that they had gotten to one specific person that he was trying to get other people to go along with it mm-hmm. i mean I, i've seen this tactic used <laughs> like th- this is undercutting a market and then presumably jacking prices back up after the competition is gone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just Accepting that you're operating at a loss. Yeah, why do they think they can trust Aitmata? Oh, I feel like, yeah, well, yeah, because they're dumb, you know, greedy businessmen that they shouldn't yeah. do what they do. Mm-hmm. But it's it is interesting that you you put it as collectively bargained because in my head I was also like, oh, obviously the Lantern Men don't have like a union, yeah. but it feels like they should have <laughs> a union, given the way that they're kind of put down, right. They're trying to form one, but then they get killed. Mm-hmm. And we do know Hilo pro pro union. You know, Jade City. Mm-hmm. Someone asked him to put down a strike, and he's like, "Nah, there are lantern men too." Fucking Hilo, proud Teamster boy. Love to see it. <laughs> and then PJ, like you touched on, there's the carryover from last episode, last chapter of grumblings about No Pete's rate in the mountain undercutting them, and also, you know, you touched on undercutting the market. All that. Another real life parallel heel here is that we hear the mountain or the no peach lanternmen grumbling how their rates were raised for the war, but they haven't gone back down. And that's just something like, you know, all the COVID prices still up, everything, all the prices still up. 
Yeah, they hit close no end in sight. Mm-hmm. Why would prices ever go back down? Especially when no <laughs> one crazy. will stop spending. Upwards and onwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty bold, though, of these lantern men to even bring up that Aitmata had offered them anything. For sure. That's where I was like, damn. Like, why are you talking to her? Yeah. Creators? Yeah. But to give them credit, this is better than the option of just quietly dropping no peak. Sure. Unle- I mean, turns out one of them did. But <laughs> for the for the remaining, like and this is Hilo said he had a hunch, but we don't know for sure like what the background of that was, right? Just by mm-hmm. the lantern man's reaction, his hunch was right, but who knows, she could have had some leverage on him or something. Well, it seems to be just he, personal enmity. It just wasn't, he didn't like Hilo. Yeah. yeah. Didn't like the way the direction the plan was going died. and his business yeah. was failing. So yeah. he's like, fuck you guys. And Hilo. But there's also like, he, he's he got all these fists and fingers reporting on the goings on within the territory. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they've seen Mountain Greenbones once in a while interacting with this guy glimpses of it and maybe no solid proof but enough to have suspicion mm-hmm. i don't know yeah like the kid on the street might have been like here's a dream bone i didn't know who told blah 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 who told blah 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 who all the way up to tar you know what happens when you play a telephone state. the information changes maybe you get a you get a talon knife in the throat yeah that's what happens yeah so Hilo <laughs> ultimately acts on his hunches Roots out the traitor, which results in the offer of a clean blade, which Hilo refuses, which seems sort of like in the text, it's like a record stop, like, you know, record street stop frame, all that nonsense. And to the characters in the story, it seems like they're like, wait, what? But every, it seems like time stops for a minute when he says no. (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised. Mm -hmm. Hilo's like very different in this book. He's he's very... If I could characterize it thus far, I'd say he is down bad. He is in very general. much down well, bad. <laughs> he, he, his family lied to him. His wife's disabled now. I mean, get over it at some point. Though. He needs therapy. It hasn't been that long. It's been like two years that we t- we decided. Poor guy. Everyone lies to him. Yeah. If you could go into fantasy stories and just introduce therapy, I think you would make it killing. Because they just need it. <laughs> Yeah, with Hilo there, I was like surprised that he refused the clean blade, but I do think it was the right decision. Right, and he's like, you don't deserve a clean blade, yeah. you're a traitor. Mm-hmm. I think that was the way to go about it. But I, was, I think this is entirely like hanging in the balance based on how the other Lantern men proceed from here. Because this is either proof of growth and like solid decision-making and level-headedness, or it's a sign of weakness and cowardice. And however that gets spun is going to greatly affect the perception of Hilo by the other Lantern men whenever this information gets out. I don't think it... Yeah. I'd hope they see it as growth and lack of hot-headedness, which is good in a pillar. Mm-hmm. And he still took him out. Yeah, he's still... So it's like, it's not like he's weak. Yeah. It would be, I mean, imagine because Hilo didn't want to fight a guy with two jade earrings being like, oh, he must be a bitch now. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> dude, what has he done? Like, 
remember two years ago when he was back on the streets just massacring everybody? But it does seem like that's the kind of thing. Like, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately lead out here in Taekwon. Yeah. I have Hilo and Shay, <laughs> so they have a little fallout about how things shook out at this meeting. And then Hilo and Juen, we see him nicely like affirmed in his role, very comfortable, which makes sense given where we left him. And then Hilo and Tar, and they all have different sort of... So based on their interactions in this chapter, where do you think each of those relationships sits, and where do you think they're going? Just kind of a big question. I feel like Hilo and Shay are very much like opposed to each other right now. On the rock. It's not working out. It's not going well. <laughs> no, they need to get on the same page. Hilo and Juen, I think Juen is like super competent and so but not it doesn't seem like the relationship is like super personal mm-hmm. there and so that's more of like a business relationship and Hilo respects the work that he does. Juen is very good at what he does. And then Hilo and Tar just feel like they're circling the drain together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the torturing is making Tar a little crazy. It's not good for either of them. Yeah. That was well, well said. Well said, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it does. The most concerning part is how normal Tar seems, <laughs> given the amount of torture that he's just like, until he runs distributing. home. He runs home after this to tell the kids about how Hilo slit someone's throat. We have got to stop doing that. <laughs> what is going on? There? Hilo's like, I need to have a talk with Uncle Tar. Like, yeah, <laughs> Hilo's alike. So <laughs> I, I do have a while that. Ago. I'm gonna, we're just, I'm just gonna touch on that now because I have that in my notes to bring about. So he obviously continues to tell these stories despite the fact that. Had Rue not been a stone eye, he'd be could be dead right now. Right, like, and I then learn nothing. Hilo isn't thrilled about it, but not necessarily because of the violence of the stories or that previous lesson that like that hard learned lesson. But it seems yeah. to be because he just doesn't want Rue to get too jazzed up about Greenbone stories, which is I thought was like pretty fascinating. These aren't the best parents in history. <laughs> it's just like there. <laughs> Maybe leave the children out of the violent gang stories. But I'm sure Hilo and his siblings were also brought up with violence, so he probably doesn't think it's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, You think Carl Sen wasn't recounting the most vile war (laughs) stories? (laughs) And I mean, Uh, even their dad. I was just going to say, their dad was, you know, killed. Like they had to understand that at a young age, too. That, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, they. I mean, there is to an extent they do need to know that their parents live in this violent world where this could happen. So there is it has some sense to it, but I feel like Tar, you know, he's not bringing the watered down, kid friendly version. He's like he's bragging just straight about up, it. like giving us a Storsese version of what's going down. My impression of this is that Hilo seems most concerned about Rue specifically, and I'm curious if it's simply because of what happened to when as a stone eye getting involved in clan business and seeing how dangerous that is and not wanting his son to succumb to the same fate or have a worse time even but he didn't seem that concerned about jaya or nico hearing these stories in comparison mm-hmm. like I, I i'm sure it was a little bit more broad but 
what sticks out to me was him talking about Rue specifically. Right. Exactly. I think that's, you know, he obviously had those reservations with Wen, and as Wen said again and again, for Hilo, there's a clear divide between what a person can and can't do based on their ability to wield jade or want to wear jade. And so to have, in his eyes, been so betrayed and proven right in that regard and then have his son brought up on these stories, I, I, I see where he's coming from, maybe. Sure. To an extent. But these anyway. kids are going to be fucked up no matter what happens. Doubt. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be perfectly well adjusted. <laughs> Um, <laughs> especially Nico like when he he's gonna bound to find find um, out what actually happened to his mother circling back to the Lilac Divine Gentlemen's Club which I did skip just because we were kind of on that vein anyway in my notes I got it's tough it's just a tough scene super tough honestly it's a sad bone it's very bad it's, especially so I know we've given Hilo a lot of flack is when a vessel <laughs> all that stuff earlier in our coverage of this story but i remember when i first read this talking about how heartbreaking this scene is with my mom ironically enough because it's like him and when had this great love Talking and it was like so so tender the story like their love their <laughs> set scenes which were like some of them were quite nice you know right. at least depending on who was narrating and then just to see him like his misuse of the place and the sets worker that he visits and it's just like he's this just paints how broken down he really is i felt like not a good look no yeah this lays it all out for me just like how shut out when is and we get to see that later too which is just so sad and then yeah just how he's treating the people here how he's just like looking at it he's so detached from his viewpoint it's just it's not a good look for him Mm-hmm. yeah and it raises the, the question of just the way he, he talks to her is pretty disgusting too mm-hmm. yeah and it raises the question like why even bother going here because he as he calls out there are other establishments that would be better suited to how he's using the lilac divine which is like a high end escort business just needs to get his rocks off yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the disrespect is part of it for him I don't know <laughs> he doesn't give a shit at this point I think it's more that it's maybe safe and there's that other side too of like, I don't know, it feels as much as he's trying to distance himself from it, there's the other side of his attachment of like, he can see why Lon went here to begin with and like sort of the same trajectory that Lon went down and I think he's kind of, he's tracing that outline to some degree Mm. and I think he doesn't know how to escape it. The safety part of it was what I assumed the reason was like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's protected. Maybe. It's, it's a well, like in good standing lantern man establishment. I don't know. Yeah. Like the valet is not just going to ditch his car somewhere. Like they'll watch it. All that. It's like they can trust the quality of the staff and all that good stuff. Okay. I wasn't sure, if there was, for sure if there were more intangible reasons beyond the common sense. That's maybe true to anybody. And they I don't think Hilo's depressed and he's he's kind of like pouring salt in the wound by going to the place where Juan spent his last moments. Mm. Mm-hmm. His use of the term used, like yeah, no Gross. one that Juan used was That's, yeah, pretty he's, stabbing. Yeah. 
It's just he is not in a good place right now at all in any way. Then he returns home. And Nico's out there reading a comic book. They call him a precocious reader, which I just, I like that. I wanted to shout that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word. But also, this pointed out the uh, the difference between Nico and the other two kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's his age, but seemingly it's more like he's less excitable, but more bookish, more focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouting out the nature versus nurture stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see when I don't want to talk about it, and get <laughs> we get more later. So we didn't talk about it then for her chapter, but she's recovered somewhat from her injuries. Death experience, yeah. I don't know how to phrase it. Her, her being attacked by the crew. resurrection, resurrection, nice, yeah. But yeah, like cross wishes. We'll touch on that more later in when's chapter but we just see he lose reaction to his wife and former i put in question marks and question marks with a question yeah. mark love where do we think that goes and just like what were your guys dutch reaction gut reactions to reading that mm. i think kilo is pissed off and Kilo's one of those people that's like cross me once you're cut off yeah mm-hmm. so he's only maintaining the relationship I think because of the love he used to have for her and for the kids. He is fully does not love her. He's anymore. just like mad at her. Can't let it go. It's just, just it's. And the like more she suffers, the more he's like, well, it's your fucking fault. It's fucked up. Is what it is. And it's totally in character with him because he did he's the like, same. He didn't wish he even... would have died in there. That was Shit. fucked. I don't think he says that, but yeah, that's tough. I think so. There's a, so like, with Shay, he didn't even think of, like, I'm sure he thought about it, but, like, he didn't even react to her being brought up for years around Lon. And then with Andon, kind of similar. Not quite as long, it seems like, but it took him years to even begin patching that wound up. And then here, he didn't have any time to kind of even think on about it because it, his wife comes back horribly disabled for now and is, has to recover, and he has to, like, be there for the children. He has to like root for her to recover obviously and he has all these conflicting emotions and so it's just he doesn't have and you know we get to we get into it more later as well but there's just it's a horrible situation all around and he is not the best person best equipped person to deal with it yeah we can i would i have a lot more to say later but i'll save it for the later chapter it's it's interesting just to talk about it too from from this chapter Kilo's perspective versus the one perspective that we get later, I think, is is fascinating in its own right. And, and sort of the way that Hilo tries to to tackle, I mean, tries. I don't know that he's trying. He just is sort of dealing with and living in the sort of shit of the situation, wherein we'll talk about this when we get to when, but she's trying to overcome it and like push through to make things normal. Yeah, but he needs to contribute. He needs to rally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He needs to yeah, he's just treat not her engaging like or a trying. competent person. Like he seems to treat her this strictly is, as a burden and a cripple, as opposed where, to like having the same mind. Sorry, PJ. This is where the therapy would help him work yeah. through his emotions. <laughs> he needs, and then also like, I feel like even if Ken was around, you know, he just needs someone to be like, "Hey, man, suck it up. Like shit happens." And right. he, like he's, his relationship with Shay is shattered. His relationship was with Wen is shattered, and she can't even speak to him at times. 
And Ken's gone. Lon's gone. Yeah. Tar's a fucking mess. Fucked. And in <laughs> the relationship already was shattered and is now being repaired. And Anton is associated with this betrayal too. So it seems like that's probably murky. He just needs someone and he doesn't have him, which was the whole point, <laughs> the whole strength of No Peak. Because, because his name was mentioned a couple times. Pronunciation of Ken's name changed in yeah. this book for, by the audiobook. I'm assuming, I'm assuming by at, at Fonda's kind of suggestion, but it really threw me off. <laughs> I don't know. Did I say Kane? Yeah. Yeah, Kane. There was one other word he said differently, too. And I don't know if it's at Fonda's suggestion. Like, even the infallible TGR would, like, change the way he said things between books. And you're like... He said servo a few times. Yeah. I think it's just uh, the time between... And they're, you know, these narrators are doing other books. And they're not going mm -hmm. back and listening to themselves. So That's fair. I, I think it's probably just a mistake. I thought it was a mistake... Like just a one-off mistake, and then he just kept doing it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" That's just my. So assumption. I've listened to an interview in which she said she did have him correct. The, so it is Kane pronunciation. Interesting. Yeah, it is Kane. Why do yeah. you warn us? E H N. I'm saying Ken. I mean, I'm also I'm also going to continue to say make Ken just because I think that's the way it appears to me. Not A. That's so weird. Just like phonetics. The A sound is any like E Y. So you, I would have mm -hmm. assumed it'd be EYN or any other. But then at the same time, Kia or Kaya. Yeah, yeah. I know that does match. Kaya. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Good question for Fonda. Yeah. When we get there. Why the what fuck the fuck did you spell it that way then? Fonda, okay. if that's how you say your name. <laughs> Lee? Is it Lay? <laughs> anyway. L-E-H. I do have a quote that is just very, very sad to read. Now I don't want to because it's really sad. Brutal. It broke Hilo's heart every day to see when so feeble and incompetent, to hear her speak with such ponderous difficulty. It had put up. He'd had to leave the room at times, unable to bear seeing her dri driven to helpless tears of frustration by her inability to do something as simple as complete a sentence that was perfectly formed in her mind but would not come out correctly. At least she was much improved from a year ago when she couldn't move one side of her body at all and barely speak coherently back then when he wasn't that then when he wasn't even certain if her mind and personality had survived intact he was ashamed to say there had been a few awful periods of despair when he'd wondered if it wouldn't if it would have been less cruel to both of them if andon had not succeeded in reviving her from death tough poor hilo he had to leave the room when she was struggling harder than she ever has been <laughs> in her life yeah, like, what not the a fuck, of, dude. Not a lot of empathy here. I think it's just because he hasn't forgiven her. He's just so mad. Yeah, he can't get past his anger. Yeah, I'm going to wait. With that, we return to Chapter 3, Unreadable Clouds. We return to the body of Fu Yin, still laying in the Twice Lucky, and we see how Shay's day unfolds after the events there. We see Hami return from Espenia, now hesitant to wear Jade again, and picking up the title Rainmaker. Woon formally and finally steps down from his position as the shadow and is stepping into a new role as well. So this chapter we hop in, we are basically seeing the weatherman side of the clan after going through the pillars previously and the way that his life is going. We instead see, see Shay's life. What do you make of the dissolution of Fu Yin's family assets given his sort of dishonorable death? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it, so, it kind of shows like, don't, 
betray us or else your whole family gets fucked. Mm-hmm. How exactly did it go down? Did the clan absorb the entire... Like, Basically, like, bought everything. They, like, distributed then... it to the... Lantern men. Other lantern. Right. Okay. Yeah, dissolved it into assets and dist- distributed the assets, mm-hmm. basically, because it was a dishonorable was a good plan. death. Yeah. And so the family's just fucked because. Because of Fuyin. Not yeah. so Fuyin now. Funyin. Way to go. Um, so there's there's a lot here that happens. I appreciate sort of the read that Shay has in the moment where it's like, well, I wish that, you know, he would have told me anything. But at the same time chapter unreadable clouds a lot of this has just been unpredictable and she feels like she's been on the back foot for a lot of things that have been happening in her life and it makes sense because she ultimately kind of put herself there in her own right as she reads it by keeping all of these secrets behind Hilo's back and that's why she's being treated the way that she is yeah I'm waiting for a chapter where Shay gets her groove back <laughs> the weatherman's office where anyone a, gets their yeah, groove back I was going to say the whole whole team needs to to get their groove back at this point, but yeah, the weather band's office seems like they're fucking up. Yeah, but at the same time, like, they've always had clandestine methods. They've always had their their way of doing things that was separate from the knowledge of the pillar and now they're being sort of punished for it because it directly affected I agree, yeah. Those because it's the wrong yeah. sort of way to go about Sorry, it, right? Like, I, I think that's the, the difference. Word clandestine? If you want. <laughs> okay, sorry, yes, continue. No, uh, PJ, you're definitely correct. It's just the severity of the actions, right? It's it's who was used and why is the problem. Yes, but I don't think that was I don't think that should have been as off limits as Hilo is making it, especially considering Wen's like driving need to do it herself. Like, but she also lied. Like I, I'm, I, I'm trying to like make it very clear that like I, I think I agree with you from the perspective of like what the weatherman is supposed to accomplish. But I think right. there's a severity to the actions of the people that are closest to him that do ring as true betrayal. And I don't feel like he's wrong in feeling that way. I think he's wrong in the way that he's reacting. But it's in line with his character. So yeah, I, I agree. I guess where I'm coming from with it is that either something needs to change in the way that the weatherman's office interacts with the the pillar or the pillar needs to put it aside and like have better relationships for the well-being of the clan like one of them has to concede and both of them are kind of trying to just bullhead their way through without changing well and like Shay just doesn't have a lot of options she's just like kind of at Hilo's mercy for some of it like unless he is going to give them a chance ever again then it's kind of like what can I do? can only say sorry so many times for what happened mm-hmm. feels so I wanted to say it feels kind of like they need to fight and I know they did fight already but I wonder if Nico hadn't interrupted the fight as horribly as it would have gone I don't think anybody would have been killed I wonder if that would have been better if the relationship would be in a better place now if they had let that come to a head I guess sort of rage manifest at the end of the book. Yeah, maybe yeah. he needs to let it out. Look out, Hilo. So it's Nico's fault. Yeah, fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> fucking kid. Got his oh, mom Mon still too. interfering. Yeah, yeah. I I guess just as kind of a, I think it's because it's family, and I think explicitly when we compare 
the chapters near the end of Jade War, we see that Hilo has really changed his opinion on like clan was family forever. And now family is family and something to be protected and preserved, as he was talking about back in Jade War. And the way the reason that he doesn't care that Rue's a stone eye and like it's just like these are still my like precious gems that I'm really here to protect. And I think that's why he really feels so betrayed is that he's come around to this, but he didn't necessarily communicate that as cleanly, maybe, and just didn't expect that. It's not to say that everyone didn't act of their own accord and volition and like Hilo should have expected them to like want input or for like when to throw her weight around as she should because she's very competent, but not being told, I think, is the problem. Well, he would have said no. So that's forgiveness, not permission. Do you think it leads to disabling of your wife and potential death of your cousin and death of one of your closest allies? And I don't know. I don't know. I understand. As getting back to the weatherman's office, Hame returns and is replaced overseas by Tarun. And everything is going really well over there outside of this, you know, quasi snafu that we were just chatting about. What do, what do we make of Hame's return to office? Hame to He's what? He's gained some weight. I think it's the not wearing jade is really interesting. He seems to um, like the new role and he's not as resistant as he was in the beginning. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. I, I, I did think like the most interesting thing was him not choosing to put his jade back on yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not like desperate to put it back on. He seems like he kind of likes it. <laughs> right. Not having to deal with that. Yeah, that really highlights for me the the changes that the clan has gone through since Shay returned and how sort of ostracized she was for the idea of not wearing jade in the first place. And now an official of the clan giving the statement of it's totally up to you. We've got use for you either way. Wear jade or don't, your call is great progress in this respect, but I'd be curious if Hilo would hold the same, like if he's changed his mind in that respect as much as Shay has. And obviously Shay <laughs> changed, like not that Shay changed her mind, but the fact that she's in a position where she's able to use that power for that sort of affording that opportunity to her people. It's also Tommy's really logical. He's like, well, I'm going to have to go back and forth. So yeah, why even put it on when, you know, he's not like a fighter or anything. He's also like, it, it seems to him. He's also, you know, he's like, you know, look at me. I'm a little out of shape. If I put this on, I'm a target. So I'd had to get yeah. ready to even put on Jade. I, I think there's something to be said about jade and him taking it off having mellowed him out too because he always seemed very intense and now he's a little bit more relaxed in more ways than one we've been talking about the weight that he's put on but it seems like he's also no longer that sort of and i don't mean like he was he was very sharp and short before and now he's a little bit more i don't want to say like reserved or anything like that but he's a little bit more i don't know just there friendly even just chilled out. <laughs> More reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, he's got a cool new title. The Rainmaker. Is the that rainmaker. <laughs> is yeah. that like a a term? Isn't that a sports term? Uh, can be mm-hmm. boxing. It can be. Yeah. Is that boxing. It's 
it's also generally a i mean it's it's used in gangs and clans as well so like it also fits okay yeah regarding hami do you think his change in demeanor is because he is jadeless or just because of you know he's more secure in his professional life now he spent this time in a foreign culture that is much more chill than Katon. Yeah, he seemed All to enjoy stuff. his time in Espinia. Learned some things. Mm-hmm. PJ, what do you think? You're you're cooking. I I don't have anything. You don't think that it's you don't think that it's Jade or like the culture? I don't know. I think Security. I think the whole clan, like just their interpersonal relationships their interpersonal relations are so stressful and so strained and adding the jade on top of that ex- like entrenches that even more and yeah because you're like, so aware of every single thing and the pers- all the auras interacting and all that yeah it heightens everything mm-hmm. like including stress so i would assume like yeah i think it's a combination of not wearing jade spending more time in a different society that's a little more lax with that type of thing and you can see that with the Espenians, they they have their pseudo clan in South Trap, but they're still much more lax. And like, just over time, that's like the the sharp edges get worn down, right? And yeah, yeah, like everything in KCON is like on a tightrope, and like something can go wrong and then it's like you're fighting for your life in your throat slash yeah (laughs) (laughs) so the the conversation goes wrong and you're dead not having to deal with that or not being so like heightened and stressed all the time and like having to watch your back and like having to watch the way you interact and the things that you say and like who you're talking to you have to know that person and like what they stand for and who they are, especially like the higher up you are in the clan, like the more people you deal with. The more people that want you dead. Right. It's like, so yeah, I think he's enjoying that. It makes sense. It would make sense. Like you get a break from that and you're like, Oh, this is not so bad after all. And I can still be, I can still help my clan, but I don't have to have that added layer of like heightened awareness and stress of every single thing. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but a contrast to that would be Andon, who has been referred to as too green for Espenia. And even after his years spending time there, going to school there, being immersed in the culture, can't wrap his head around the idea of putting anything above family. Yeah, that's a good comparison. So he he has not been able to chill. Welcome to change and chill. All right. I love the little note that Hani drops to here where he says something along the lines of Espenia uses laws like the Kikinese use the Jade disciplines. And I just thought that was so fascinating as to like how the different cultures sort of manipulate things and play with things. And I don't know. I just enjoyed thoughts. It was a very smart way of looking at things from Hami. And that stuck out to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had. You could tell, like, from that, he had gained a lot of perspective on both Espinia and... Seems like Espinia's not all that bad. Everyone doesn't want to go, and they're like, I liked it. I didn't mind. Yeah. I know this is kind of diverging a little bit, but in general, 
with the new title of Rainmaker. And it, it feels to me that the weatherman's office is starting to break into the sort of structure that the horn has always had because they're becoming bigger and they need more people and more of a structure to deal with all these foreign foreign governments as opposed to the the handful of people in the office that are needed to operate within KCON. So it, it's cool to see Shay becoming a little bit more powerful, I'd say. She she's running a much bigger operation than what she inherited. Yeah, you've effectively she's effectively created a system of fists. Yeah. A bigger and more important operation too, just for like the situation that they're in right now. Like the weatherman's office is just like they gotta get their shit together. That's the this kind of cold war that they're fighting with the mountain is much more on the weatherman's office than it is on the horn side of things. So they're always important, obviously, but like I, I feel like there's a heightened sense there of importance because the war is now being kind of fought through the weatherman's office instead of on the streets through the horns. Well, and the horn can't do anything overseas, right? right? Which is, you know, kind of gets into the idea of what goes on next chapter, but like comparatively, the weatherman has to be overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's becoming like the military side of the planet at all, though. I think because they already had no, the no, no, Luckbringers. No. Well, I meant just in terms of organization, like you guys were saying. There's Because oh. the, they had the Luckbringers, which are akin to fingers and fists, and now they have a bunch more titles because they're becoming more fluid and more modern. So it's like everyone's becoming specific roles with specific mission focus, so there's like less of that mission creep and the People within the organization can react to certain things, and the whole body isn't bought down by the single, the kind of like single ladder of hierarchy. If that makes sense, yeah, mm-hmm. I I do I do understand that. I guess my my comparison was more like I'm thinking about fists as like sort of independent things, and they you're right, mission creep is definitely a component here. But I think that this also shows, given the like more formal titles, that it's also outgrowing. The, the organization of the horn to begin mm-hmm. with because they need to manage the mission creep. Right, exactly. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. But I do still, I would still put them akin to fists more closely because there isn't like a, there isn't a sub horn, you know, outside of first fist. There's not. So, fistmen. Nope. No, no, no fisty cuffs. <laughs> no. Fist pillar, pillarmen and fistmen. Pillarmen, though, is separate, but yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We first hear about Kaya, Woon's wife, and the fact that she had another miscarriage and sort of the way that that weighs heavily on Woon and what he wants in sort of work-life balance or what he's maybe want maybe I'm putting too much weight there. What do you what do you think about Woon and his choice? Seems like he's not liking the shackles of marriage. Oh, I was getting the vibes like immediately with Woon and Shay. Feel like we'll when you later. have to be like yeah. I think the miscarriage weighed heavily on her and me too, of course. <laughs> it's a tough omen for the marriage. Would be my yeah. read. Maybe I'm kind crazy. Of <laughs> kind of bad. You kind should of bad. also share that pain, sir. The the little dimple that 
it shows his horniness level is kind of funny <laughs> and a little bit cartoonish. I think it's frustration, not horniness. Pretty mama. <laughs> frustration, not horniness. Yeah, it just turned into horniness later because it's a shared reaction of frustration. It's just yeah. holding your breath too long. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time visualizing what that actually was, though. Like, like a furrowed brow, like a press, like yeah, a, but that because she said to, it's like, like she wipes off with his, his brow with his finger, like he has to like use his palm to like yeah. press it away. Oh, to relax his forehead. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. I maybe it's like I kind of I kind of know what him. that is. Yeah, where like he like furrows it and he feels like he can't undo it unless he does this. Yeah, PJ's clearly not stressed enough. Yeah, yeah I mean he told <laughs> us he got like de stresses so. in the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> stoner. Wow. Wrong way. Wow. I didn't say the wrong way. Oh, I thought I thought you did. Sorry. No, 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 no. What was the original question? Oh, yeah. Kaya. It seemed mm-hmm. like a quick marriage to begin with. Kind of like a rebound marriage. When he, like you said. When he found out he couldn't <laughs> have Shay. So not a good spot. And I think mm-hmm. Kaya knows it. That's why she's calling a lot. Mm. Being like but you spend some time with me. I have to drive my hot younger coworker home every night. You don't understand. My hot younger me. boss. Yeah, have to drive her home every night. Sorry. But Kaya, good luck driving Safety yourself thing. home. Oh boy. <laughs> she has. I mean, can't, can't wait for the chapter later. Shay has had a history of using that tactic. Or no, 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 no. That was when. That was when. Never mind. Yeah. When did the same thing for Hilo? Hmm. Mm-hmm. By stabbing her brother's car tires, bike tires, but yeah, or bike tire, whatever. And when yeah, yeah. legend to round out the chapter, Woon does make the ask to change his role, and Shay agrees, saying that like him being and like holding on and all of this, and kind of gives him the out of like thank you for doing what you did. And she and he kind of goes like, oh no, like I would have, you know, there's there's something interesting there as far as like his recant of like well that's not why i wanted to be out of the office where he finally kind of owns up to the the feeling sort of without so much explicitly saying them that we kind of see come to roost later i think my my fucking wife won't let me work here anymore i just want to say for the record that i no longer think woon was in on lon's death <laughs> move maybe over to but okay okay man <laughs> Hey, I have trust issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll give it to you. Thank, unfortunately, and maybe thankfully, we've already paid that one off because it was proven that he didn't, that, like, he wasn't in in the way that you guys suggested. So I, did, I want to say for the record that I did not suggest anything. You did not. You did not. <laughs> right. Which, so we drank for you. But. My dude. Yeah. I don't think I did. I think I refused, right? There was one yeah, of them I refused I to drink. I don't remember mm-hmm. which. And I stand by it. Yeah, Shay's really laying down and letting him leave. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's losing <laughs> these first eight chapters. Yeah, this is a dark Except for Barrow. All around. <laughs> yeah, he meets a baddie. He's having a good year. All right, chapter four. Chapter four, the Pillarman Abroad, which just right off the bat, before I even get to the summary, what a great chapter title. Loved it. Our guy, Mate Tar, makes his return to Espenia to dispatch William Skinny Reams, which he does with... Brutal, horrific inefficiency. Fucking shit, man. <laughs> Skinny Reeves. I mean, I was happy to see Skinny Reeves get it, but at the same time, you feel you feel bad about it. 
inefficiency. Yeah, you feel bad about the inefficiency. For Everyone's sure. like, can we just fucking kill him? Do we have to do the torture thing? And Tar's this like, is like, oh yeah, we gotta do the torture thing. <laughs> Tar's, it's like the whole point. <laughs> Tar's, <laughs> Tar's brain is like... We are doing the torture, for sure. Honestly, like, Skinny, you gotta be embarrassed that these soft Tuspenians took you out like that and had you like battered a little bit come on mm-hmm. yeah not the not the man boss cromner was that's for sure no i'm not saying um, tar's a boss cromner would have never gone down like this it's pointing that direction for sure <laughs> he's losing his humanity yeah. a little bit yeah i mean he calls it out a little bit he says he likes to keep busy keeps him from drinking when he's planning his little excursions planning his little spy operations i think that's a part of the 12-step program is Getting hobbies. Becoming a sadistic torturer. <laughs> hmm. uh, I just feel like tar <laughs> as a means of distraction. There are more than like you can. You don't have to just be a brutal spy torture guy or an alcoholic. There are other options for hobbies. Maybe we should play relay ball. You know, maybe we didn't cockfighting. <laughs> I feel like cockfighting would be a great outlet for him. He's you know, get some of his violence up his out. alley. You yeah. know, yeah. It, I mean, you you know you're fucking up when cockfighting is the more reasonable outlet (laughs) that we're suggesting for you i feel like i need a spinoff where he's just corners the cockfighting mark i feel like he'd have a real feel for it (laughs) yeah but yeah we learn skinny has been betrayed if you can even call it that with how these fucking guys operate over in the crew land by the fellow bosses Mm. seems they weren't too keen on the way he rose to power which is weird but whatever yeah, the bosses don't get along well. No. Which, you know, neither do the plans. Made sense. Had, did we bring it up or did the book bring it up in Jade War? Talking about filling in the shoes of Boss Cromner not really being a one-to-one thing and him being kind of the glue that stuck them together. I think we talked about it, but it's alluded okay. to more or less that like because he was such a legendary figure it kind of kept every like the old system in power i guess okay yeah here's further proof to me that that's that's the case i guess who would have thought the bull would be a better frontman than a guy named skinny anyways but yeah we've made a lot of noise about this already but just to check it off the list Tar carries out the execution very slowly Against the wishes of Doubt Losen, which we learn later, obviously, in much more detail. So I guess I'll save it for that. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Tar harbors this resentment, which made sense, quite frankly, but he harbors this just like burning resentment against those who would strike against Green Bones while not being green themselves. Yeah, Tar might be a little bit of a racist, hmm. elitist, greenist. Greenest. I think greenest. Yeah, he's a greenest. He's anti-norm, normies. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, I don't know if we want tar around the children anymore. He's, <laughs> I mean, how many people can you torture? He keeps but, it separate. Like, you know, when is he going to like break and not recognize? When is he going to tell the kids about this story? <laughs> yeah. Probably everything. Tuesday. <laughs> On Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Second day. Sorry. Must be supervised with children. He might have them on whatever version. He's got them on like speakerphone. He's like, listen up, guys. I'll narrate it live. Brings Rue on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Get ready. Hey, buddy. Pulls somebody's <laughs> teeth out with the pliers. You ready so to right torture there, there. <laughs> Yeah. Get ready with me while I get ready to torture the enemies of the <laughs> yeah. no-peak clan. It's torture time. Did, did Tar like 
abuse animals as a young boy. I mean, well, they all killed rats. But he enjoyed it. <laughs> he he stretched it out a bit. He's a little, yeah. He's got some stuff going on. But Skinny Reeves, good riddance. I was happy to see you won't be missed. And his racist ass get mm-hmm. killed, but I feel like <laughs> not this way. Just you know, burying him in not that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> would burying him alive in concrete not just be enough? I feel like that's pretty good as far as torture goes. Or and then you just him. like saint him slowly. Yeah, and he's like, nah, I gotta do something even crazier. Yeah, I kind of I, mean, I like that the way that he damaged when you know. Yeah, I like that we don't really hear much about what actually happened. It was bad. That's all I don't know. think we want to know. Right. But it also like even makes, I don't know, just as a writing thing, it makes our imaginations go wild. So it makes mm-hmm. Tar seem even more unhinged. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like poetically using the same bag, the same type of bag that they used on Roan and Wen probably would have been sufficiently horrifying. Mm-hmm. But there's also like this is just for Tar too because it's not like he's the body like the evidence is going to be displayed or anything they're hiding it it seems like whatever happens to the corpse of Skinny it's going to be put into a cement block and dropped to the bottom of the sea or the river or whatever and it's just like so this is just for him yeah <laughs> which is another little layer it, of it, it was for Skinny it's his release valve yeah yeah it's- like, I, I think the final line is, so when the man in the chair began to scream, Tar felt as if you were hearing his own cries, drawing out his own feelings. And that's like, weird. His, Bro, we got to get you into therapy. His way I don't of know, but it's too late. Years ago. He needs hypnotherapy. <laughs> he might need to. He needs psilocybin. He needs psychoactive drugs at this point. Get him some ayahuasca <laughs> in a month. I don't know. That might make him kill everybody. He, might need to, he needs Cairo. <laughs> he needs to be frozen. We're not ready. Like we don't have the therapy now to deal with this. We got to put him in ice. We had a hundred years. Does Give this him the Disney treatment? Did does this show any symptoms of like jade overexposure? The itches in a more aggressive way than what Lon experienced, but re- restlessness and murderous rage, warring. Yeah, I think that that is an interesting thing where there's the question of. Is it the chaotic, violent nature of the reality that's driving a lot of this? Or is it the substance that alters the way that their brain perceives reality that they wear 24-7 for years while in this violent world? Like, what is causing this frame? The second book makes it very clear that Jade's an amplifier. And so there's a good argument that this is amplifying all of those feelings. But it's more than that. Like, we, we know there are things that it can do to your brain beyond that when it when it becomes too much or too mm-hmm. much to handle yeah yeah but who's to say that that isn't just like a lot of amplification right yeah of like mental illness or what have you mm-hmm. i think somebody needs to bite the bullet and tell him to take off his jade <laughs> they're going to die but at least they'll get uh, the has to be healer then <laughs> all right With that, we get into Chapter 5, Keeping Up Appearances, 6th Year, 4th Month. Wen pulls together the No-Peak Clan's New Year party despite her condition. Attending with the family, the lavish party goes off without a hitch, but there is an obvious and serious distance between Wen and Hilo that seems insurmountable. 
others greet the pillar's wife, and we learn about a terrible incident on Yumon Island where a an Egatanian spy plane was shot down, clearly spying on Espenia. After spilling the tea trying to advise her husband, Hilo takes her upstairs and leaves her there as the light of the fireworks fills her room as the new year turns. Wen is doing her best here. This whole chapter is easily the most painful, I think, of the bunch that we read this week, to me at the very least. I've got a super personal connection to this chapter because this relationship is is one that I've borne witness to because my mom has MS, and so she's been on this like cycle of degradation in her own right. And so to see someone struggle that way when they were previously capable is is difficult. But then to add in having like a non-supportive relationship in that moment is just fucking brutal. Like that, that would, it would kill me. It would, it would literally, if I had to watch someone treat my mom like that in that moment, I would die. I would, or I would kill them. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, tough. this was heartbreaking all around. Mm-hmm. And can we get like a thanks when this party's great? Yeah. You did a great job. Sheesh. Kaya says thanks. Andon says thanks. But, you know, yeah, not not Hilo, which is who we're kind of, you know. Like, wow, I'm so and proud of her... you. You've improved so much. She also points out, like, one of her main reasons for, for pushing through all of this is to maintain Hilo's perception, like his public perception of, like, being in a healthy marriage and, like, being able to properly lead the clan so like she's doing this pretty selflessly and it gets nothing in return yeah i think it's shay that says it like how when basically like basked in the love that hilo gave to her and like that was just such an important part of her life and just like gave her so much energy and just like allowed her to be the person that she was and she just like it like empowered her and how cruel it is for him to take that away from her. That was just heart that was so heartbreaking. I feel like, like I isn't she being punished enough? Yes. Like it's just the reality of her situation. Exactly. Like yeah. you don't think she knows she kind of fucked up. Also, she's literally like fucking half paralyzed or whatever and can't talk very well. Like, that's an extremely hard thing to do. And I also thought it was really interesting where she's, like, thinking, I, yeah, I normally, like, I know that Hilo was going to find out about this at some point, and I was always going to be able to talk him down like that because I can always do that. And to be robbed of that because of her injuries was another heartbreaking thing. It was just, like, it's such a tough chapter to see from her. and. And how, like, because she's not able to talk to Hilo, like, he's not able to, basically, he's not able to process it, and he just stays in this angry place where he's taken his love and just hid it away from her. It's just, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It's it's brutal. Ben, you hit on the quote that I wanted to read here, and this is, it's internal, and it's her own internal monologue. Her husband's moments of outright cruelty were infrequent and brief. A cold look, a cutting remark, a flash of hurt or anger in response to any reminder of her past dishonesty and how she'd been nearly killed because of it. Each one felt corrosive on her soul, but far worse was the delicate dis- but far worse was the deliberate distance he'd placed between them. Having lived so long in the uncompromising sunlight of Hilo's love, 
The absence of his affection was a lifeless and unending winter. And that is heartbreaking. Like it is bleak. brilliantly written, yeah. but it is bleak and makes you want to tear your heart out. Ugh. And when was like on the up and up mm-hmm. last book, she was, she was winning the weeks. Now she is not winning. And that also the mission of winter there reminds me of just like, I should have said this probably at the beginning of the podcast, but like this all being set in the deepest, darkest part of winter, like that just adds to the terrible vibes of everything Mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And it's like unseasoning, like and now we're three months later or whatever, and it's unseasonably still very cold. I don't know. It just adds to like the dark mood that this book starts with. Yeah. It's the worst winter anyone remembers, right? Is how they phrase it. Mm Mm-hmm. Us Midwesterners know the depression of I know that very well. Yeah. A long, know that May snow. <laughs> yeah. A long, unending that June winter. snow. Yeah. Like I should be on the lake right now, but it just froze again. <laughs> God damn it. The never ending terribleness of winter at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what's extra frustrating about this when Hilo situation is that she wasn't even wrong. Like she nailed or the she nailed the assassination. She fucking crushed it. Like, she was right to do what she did. And then she just got, like, tripped at the one-yard line by a technicality. Like, the crews weren't even fucking involved. They should have just minded their business. Everything would have been fine. But just had to kill Roan. Right. Just like, mm-hmm. So she wasn't, it's like, it's, it's just annoying to me because she was right, but she wasn't. It's tough. It's a Guy Ritchie crossfire, right? Yeah. It's the it's the unintended consequence of someone else's actions in the moment catching you when you shouldn't be. That is exactly what uh, it is. And even if it's like Skinny has any understanding of like who No Peak is or like who Make is in that situation or had any respect for Kekinese and the clans, like if he was a slightly different person, that could have also gone differently because he could have been like, well, <laughs> this seems like a very bad idea. Yeah. Like if it was Blaze, <laughs> yeah. he would have been like, okay, we'll let these two clowns go, but we'll yeah. not kill Roan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are so many other ways that it could have gone, of course, and it's just, it's sad to see one in this state, especially given that, like, A, she's greatly weakened, B, she remembers it as the wedding anniversary, mm. and, like, even uh, brings that up to Hilo, yeah. and he's like, sure. Yeah. And it's like, I hated that. just... This is where the the audiobook narrator destroys it, is in sort of the cold indifference sure. that Hilo has yeah. throughout this whole thing of being like, yeah, all right. I yelled at Hilo out loud in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> where's, like, Tar? Why? Where are you? Where's Tar in this? I know Tar's emotional state <laughs> He's is off on the his worst. own dark journey. But, like, <laughs> you just, how are you letting this dude treat your sister like this? You, like, you got to be like, hey, man, be there for her. Or Tar be there mm-hmm. for her at least. Like, come right. On. Try. But Ken was the emotionally intelligent yeah. one, and to that I was point, say, it doesn't seem very Lena's capable. there. Yeah. Like that was and, that and was a family nice, soul moment, which is cool. Yeah. Like yeah, it doesn't seem like emotions yeah. and like talking about them is Tar's thing. His his way no. of like making it up to her is obviously by killed him, <laughs> torturing and murdering the guy. That Here's did his head. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. true. <laughs> Tar in his own way is being there for her. And Rude like kicks it like a relay yeah. ball. It's like you're and getting <laughs> Tar and Ken were never big on standing up to Hilo necessarily, anyway. True. Yeah. True. 
God, it's it, it's a brutal chapter. We do get to meet Kaya. Is that how we said it <laughs> as well? What do we think of our first meeting with Woon's wife? What do we think of her and her approaching when? She seems nice. Yeah, she seems like a nice lady. But it doesn't seem like she knows what's going on. I think she suspects. She definitely doesn't deserve what's going on. Yeah. Does Wen says to her, does Wen say something about kids to her? There's I something, think so. There's something, I think you're right. So Wen just says something that Double check. it seems like in the previous book she wouldn't have. Like she was so good at not making these false social steps. And here she makes like just a tiny one that, you know, now she has no way of knowing. But it just seems like another symptom of what's going on with her. Another sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's interesting. Okay, so here's here's what it is. You're right. It is like an interesting misstep and step. It's probably because she just doesn't know in the immediate moment. But mm-hmm. Kaya says, "You beautiful children, you must be very proud about the future of the clan." And when replies, after contemplating some of these things, the future of the clan is bigger than that, in kind of a strained way. And so that's both like a misstep and a step in the right direction. I think it's both affirming and could be taken the other way of like, she doesn't comment on like knowing that she had a miscarriage or anything like that, but it could be taken multiple ways. I don't know if I see that as commentary on the miscarriages at all. I see that more of commentary on the current members of the clan and keeping it alive. Yeah, I think that that's what she's making, but I'm, it's from Kia's pers- Kaya's perspective that it could be taken the other way, right? Because she's like, oh, the, the future is kids, right? And that's her perspective on the mm-hmm. clan and the clan's continues, continued existence. And Wen's trying to be like, no, kids aren't the only future, which is previously like where her role was occupied. So you can tell that her head is still kind of in the clouds in that way. Not in the clouds, but like still off trying to make, you know, better. Mm-hmm existence i found what i was talking about which is right before that so kaya Mm -hmm. comes up and she says i pray the gods favor favor you with good health this year and when says thank you kaya i hope the same for you and then kaya the woman's smile faltered is what says so i think that that's where i was thinking like obviously if when was plugged in with her sources she'd know about these issues that kaya was going on and probably would have said it more delicately maybe because it seems like a nice sentiment to someone going through some health issues like Taya is. Yeah. I yeah. can't think of how to say that more delicately. Like no. Even knowing it, you'd, you'd wish them well, mm-hmm. I would think. But, but then the kid, the kid thing after that feels like doubling down, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> so, hey, like, it's okay. If you know, if you're in the know, mm-hmm. which when is not. So we see the kids running around. Kaya, you know, rescues her husband, in quotes. <laughs> but we, we get to see the kids running around. Which is nice. It's a good turn of events. It's maybe the only happy thing that we get this week. <laughs> what do you What do you think of the kids in in their states and their age as they're growing up? Did anybody notice anything in the dramatis personae? I didn't read it. There was some. There was some Jaya's classmates situation going mm-hmm. on there, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yes. Like that indicated like a large time jump at some point in the future. This is. The first time that I decided to read the dramatic persona <laughs> since Red Rising, and I felt like I fucked up by doing that <laughs> <laughs> because of exactly that reason. Yeah, guess we'll find out. Maybe they mean her kindergarten classmates. Yeah, to that. 
But yeah, the kids are fine. Glad they're happy now. Nico's going to become a bad guy. Nico fine. seems like he's on a dark path <laughs> for sure. What he seems time? like a fun kid. And then Jaya, yeah, she's obviously a toddler. So we, a, so we don't know. We don't count. She, but she poops in her pants. pants. Totally. Yeah. Cool. What did Nico do? <laughs> he just seems like uh, he's thinking Creepy about stuff. Staring kid. Yeah, very deeply. Yeah. At a young age and has like experience. People are like, is he okay? Eddie. And then he like actually has been paying attention. You're like, whoa, you heard that? He might have some subconscious trauma about being torn away from his mother. Yeah. It's also all the stories Tar keeps telling. Yeah, yeah Tar keeps telling him a lot of <laughs> And there's no, stories. there's no way he's just like finds out about what Hilo did and is okay with it. Do you think he's going to find out? I don't know oh, yeah. how he would. I wonder if. The fucking Aitmata will tell him. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past her. I mean, listen, I, Tar <laughs> likes talking about murders. I legitimately know who he murdered. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, fuck. Was Tar, was Tar the one that went there? Or was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, for the stepdad, yeah. And, and he knows about them all. He looked yeah, 80. Yeah. yeah. He, he, yep, he stayed. He was in the tar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I couldn't remember if it was him or Ken. That may be something that slips at some point. Too many glasses of Hoji. And then Nico's listening when he's not supposed to be. Tar is definitely a liability, too. Yeah. I they think, are uh, setting up a lot of Nico listening while he's not supposed to be. So yeah. I like where you're going with that. Yeah. Yep. When is like it, any good little kid listening when you're not listen. supposed to be? What does that mean? What, how, how is he supposed to know when he's not supposed to listen? This is outrageous. Maybe we his op- Hilo's office shouldn't be. <laughs> maybe, his yeah, house. maybe close the door of the office. Yeah. There's a thought. Maybe yeah, I'm don't not sure the have dinner table. Build a second building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was all off the. Road. Fair enough. And even keeping appearances, this still shows how just how tenuous this all is, right? Like this is this is meant to be a show of opulence and sort of like of grandioseness, and we see that behind the scenes, this is the worst the clan has ever been. Period. So far as we've seen them, even back in the lawn days, were I think more stable <laughs> than right now. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. it a lot's going to have to change for us to stand a chance on the no peak side. Yeah, I'm wondering like if there's going to be an inciting event that like brings everybody back together, or it's just Do you want me to tell you my prediction? More of a descent into do it. Terribleness. I think Shay's going to have a political marriage. To who? To that mountain oh. clan contributor, the sub clan. Oh, the Cobins. Oh, to Not the, the Cobins, the six the hands unity, six hand. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Bring her out there, and she'll be like, "Wow, I like it out here." And then Woon's going to be sad again. Well, <laughs> Woon, uh, Woon rejected. We'll get to Woon. The sad Poppy Donwa. Wound pulled out sad. before. It's more like swoon Poppy Donwa. <laughs> There's so many different jokes going at the same time in this moment that I was laughing at all of them for the record. You were laughing at mine. Poppy so Donwa. The pull out joke is where I started. <laughs> yeah, then cross laugh at my joke out of the tally. <laughs> yeah. So we get an interruption though in the middle here with. Something that happens, of course, we have the plane that crashes over Yuman Island, and we find out it to be a Egatanian spy plane. The Yuman Island, of course, being the Espenian military base that's in close 
it's in KCON effectively. It's, you know, considered that sort of sovereign territory or what have you, which is very reminiscent of the U2 incident that happens in Russia as this sort of Cold War continues here for our folks. What'd you make of that moment? What do we think about this ongoing war still? It feels less, I mean, I guess technically there's not active outright violence, but it feels a little bit beyond Cold War with the, like movements being made against them it took i I think this is a pretty explicit parallel to the u2 plane which was definitely yeah defensive yeah that's fair at first i was like why is this such a big deal but then i kind of still am like (laughs) i mean you know (laughs) i see it like the military then is like we need more jade warriors because of the war that's breaking out but it's still between Two other nations outside of KCON, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to stretch in an interesting direction in the next chapter, so I definitely don't want to talk about that part too much because that's a big part of that. But I think the the point being here is that like the conflict is still going on despite a truce that was signed beforehand, right? Maybe we're not fighting over the Artico now, but maybe we're going to be fighting in the Americ, and that would be a very different war. And it's it's a slow war between Egaton and Espenia, not between Egaton and Katon. So they're they can mm-hmm. activate hostilities like bang if they wanna. <coughs> yeah. But Katon's not unified in who they're supporting across the clans and across the federal government. So mm-hmm. it's becoming kind of a microcosm of war between the two clans, right? Because the mountain clan has strong ties to Yugatani. Right? Yep. Yeah. And obviously No Peak has strong ties to Espenia. Was there an official stance by the royalty? Not the royalty, but the royal council and the government. They they're allies with Espenia. That's why they have like the okay. mm-hmm. the satellite not size. Yes, thank you. I you could call it a satellite base, but Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say office, which is not the correct term. Yeah. For a military base. Base base on a satellite island. Yeah. So Cool. Wanted to bring that up. Wen, of course, is having difficulty speaking as she wants to react to this moment and help her husband like she used to. She used to be this sort of like secondary whisperer and trying to help him parse things. And instead, while she's trying to get to the point, she spills the tea on the two of them. And she just wants so badly to be of use. She gets after, shortly thereafter, march upstairs to go to bed. And it's just fucking tragic. Fireworks in the window. Mm-hmm. You didn't even get to see the fireworks. Them like lighting the empty side of the bed. Just some brutal, tough stuff. But beautiful writing. And like, shouldn't she be yeah. able to choose if she wants to go to bed or not? Not just like, okay, that's it. You spilled the tea. You're embarrassing me. It was very reminiscent of their early relationship where he's like, you're bored at work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need more interior design jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a as a final note here, there's the story of the slash tires, which we talked about earlier, and I love that that like forever she's been forcing these two families together, and she's been kind of the you know I don't want to say like a kingmaker, but she's been pushing actively for the the make family to be together with the call family as a lovesick teenager from forever ago. And it's very sweet. And it's in these moments that you see that she's always been the one whispering these kind of things. 
making the plays, but now she's incapable of doing that, unfortunately, despite still having the mind for it. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. It was cute. Love sick teen. Rip. Well, on that depressing note, let's get to chapter six. Shifting winds. Shift those winds. Following the hysteria with the spy plane, the TJA holds a special session where General Ronu Yasudin lobbies the clan and government officials that make up the TJA to increase the amount of jade going to the army. And he also asks that graduates of the Marshall Academies be allowed to join the military immediately upon graduation. Aitmata, with the aid of the newly elevated Tobin family, agrees to the proposal, forcing Hilo and Nopi to veto it, adding additional fuel to the mountain's rhetoric, casting them as foreign-influenced. Hilo and Shay argue briefly about his handling of the situation before parting ways, at which point Shay is approached by the weathermen of the Sits Hands Unity Clan with insinuations about switching sides. The chapter ends with the aftermath of Boon Papidanwa's going away party, and he and Shay sharing a long overdue makeout session. Ow, ow. I think it's more than a makeout session. Well, listen, we got to have a little decorum here. We can get less decorative like once we get into out. it. They don't go any further, though. He pulls There's away. There's some boobs touching. It's a little boobies. Ooh, he a he of a zips up his pants and buckles his belt at the end of it. Yeah, but I, so like his pants are off at least a little bit. They were getting, they were they coming were down. Ready. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, we'll t- they hey, had let's sex save though. it. <laughs> save it for marriage, um, Thomas. Another long chapter here, but a very interesting one because you know we get the KJA meeting, which is rich with intrigue and some cool like setting stuff, little world building, which we love here at Words and Whiskey. But the chapter actually opens with. At the tall estate, and with Shay arriving to drive with Hilo to the KJA meeting. Some cool stuff here. The boys are watching Beast Taming Warriors. Just a sit, like, sounds like a sit show. Which Seems I could like watch. Very it. Power Rangers like. Yeah. Or Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Nico, you know, all these rumors of him being a perceptive little lad, asked if his parents are getting divorced. Sheesh, dude. <laughs> Have some chill, Nico. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does he even know what that word means? Yeah, I was like, he's like, yeah, I was like you're probably right. six. Like, you're thinking about way too much. You should not be thinking about all that at six years old. You should just be Can having a good time. Him, he's got some anxiety. Beast taming warriors and chilling out. He's trying. <laughs> There's an interesting part there, though, where Rue attacks him and starts, you know, jumping on him. him yeah. And Nico shoves him aside without hitting him back. That stand out to anybody else? Very lawn like. Yeah, he it's promised to be a protective good thing. Older brother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then obviously. Oh, sorry. Go, PJ. No, no, no. No, you're good. Shay and Hilo leave. Well, Hilo comes down. He's like, get ready for school. Also, seemed kind of just another. Like he's just not in it all the way like he should be at this point. Like I, you know, earlier book you assume you picture him like stooping him up, saying something funny, and then swatting him on the butt, and be like. Get ready for school. What are you guys doing? Need to get He's those beast taming warriors to tame you beasts. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, Shay and Hilo talked about relationship problems. She's like, hey, you got to do something. Your kids are all anxious about divorce. He's like, what about you and Woon, you idiot? At least there's kids a aren't nice, involved yet. Yeah. The nice throughout this whole chapter. I don't know what to make of it yet because it hasn't really been addressed yet. But 
there there's very clearly the situation where Nico refers to Hilo as uncle. But Hilo but like refers to Rue as his brother and like there is a difference, but they're trying not to let it be a difference. And I'm wondering if that will eventually drive some sort of wedge or if like that doesn't matter at all. They are trying to make it a difference. He Nipilo made sure Nico would call him uncle. Yeah, he wanted yeah. on purpose. But but I'm I'm curious as they get older if that's going to sow any amount of resentment or non belonging in the same way that like the with biological Andy. children do. Like with Andy. God, I'm sorry if I misunderstood you. Yeah. I gotcha. No, like I, I know it's intentional, but I'm I'm curious if it's going to have unintended consequences. Yeah. Gotcha. Like maybe even just a fight, like, oh, you're not my real brother. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting thought. Speaking of interesting thoughts, there's a little reflection by Shay about how she was equipped and prepared to deal with Hilo's rage and in a way that went, wouldn't it be, because she had relied on his love like oxygen. So it's an interesting way of looking at things from Shay. Mm-hmm. Not usually so this romantic. It gets to Ben's point, right, that I think you were making earlier, that Shay also recognizes this in when. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, everybody can see it, I feel like, except for Hilo. I think he knows what he's doing. He's just being asked hard. He just, well, he's, I don't know. He's like, it is, I guess he does see it, but at the same time, he's like just so blocked by his anger. He, he doesn't even see mm-hmm. how, I don't know. I guess some of the cruelty is the point a little bit, but. And Shay can fight back. Yeah. Yeah, I think he Hilo definitely does see it, and he, to an extent, like, hates himself for it, but also doesn't hate himself that much for it. Yeah. But he's trying to, like, I wish I could just get over this and do it, but at the same time, he's like, eh, I don't wish that much. Like, she deserves it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's better said. All right, and then that brings us to the KJA meeting itself, and we learn about the layout of the room. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's basically set yeah, out. There is has no peak versus the mountain it's round right. yeah how it's work. designed <laughs> to evoke equality and how everyone's <laughs> gonna work together and like kind of a socialist utopia but in reality just the way <laughs> Cantonese culture is it's all kind of competition and symbolism mm-hmm. yeah I, I liked how that was pointed out and described intentions versus reality and you can't you can't root out alliances got the deities there gotta have them always oh, and then we get a little bit of a rundown about the immediate reaction to the spy plane incident people were freaked out the clans had to come together to kind of 12 riots make sure everyone was chilling out on the street and not being crazy and that the new chancellor chancellor Gwim, gave a pretty fiery speech saying like hey we're a fucking badass nation of warriors if you guys want smoke you can have it that was that's true I was surprised that he w- went so hard. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I thought Aaron was going to say something. Is this a speech where he ends it with requesting that the military has access to students? That's the that's the that's general. The that's guy. a different guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. There's lots of speeches back to back. There are. There's a lot of talking. Seems more about balance and, you know, being above reproach and then like tries to do that at the end too. And, you know, that goes well. Yes. But it does lead into General Ronu Yasudin's speech 
and now he's like, we've been saying this for years. Army's got to get more money, get more funding, get more jade people. And, you know, you guys laughed us off, but the fact remains now in this geopolitical world, we got these two giant forces vying for our jade. We got to be ready to protect ourselves. And it gives us just like a lot of insights throughout his conversation and the way people are questioning him, raising points, counterpoints about some of the issues with jade culture when it comes to like working as a collective, I guess. Right. And especially with the clan set up. Mm-hmm. So he makes the point of being a good greenbone does not mean you're a good soldier just by the the differences mm-hmm. of the structure and the bureaucracy of it. And yeah, I think I didn't love that argument from him because these academies are already set up with the assumption that you're going into the clan. So those those structures are ingrained from the like yeah, like from the, being, the academies themselves, and even before isn't that, being a a fist similar to being a person in the army. Like, it's not like they're into individualistic. Well, so what he says is that they're good fighters, but not good soldiers. But shouldn't they be good and soldiers so, when they're working for the clans? Well, they are for the clans, but not for the national military. Like too loyal they're trying to, to challenge each other still. Yeah. Oh, I see. And they're not. And it's not. Kind of like a collective. So it's not like they're or, bad at for the country type thing. It's not like they're bad at taking orders. It's that they are loyal to the clan. Yeah, yeah their first to, priority is not necessarily like defending the country above all. But when they go to the military, don't they rescind their clan lo- loyalty? They Especially. say they do, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's like issues with our military, military yeah. you know having some weird impulses in there. So I I guess the solution that I could think of instead would be the military setting up their own academies. That's what I was thinking too. Right. Yeah. I also had that same thought. It's like, that seems like a way better idea. (laughs) Yeah. And like the, the compromise would be allowing or like people have a choice at that point, requiring the clans to allow people to choose to go there without negative stigma in some way, like building like, a commitment to build a culture that allows for children to enter that academy instead of their own without right. like discrimination. And maybe let's not send only the worst fingers to the army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what they need? You know what he really needs to do? Is he needs the Tetanese version of Top Gun in order to get his, <laughs> his uh, numbers juiced. Get his numbers goosed. Good double joke. Good work. Mm. Wish I could say credit. I said juiced. Tough. Tough. Oh God why'd damn you, it! I heard what I wanted to hear. All right, <laughs> honesty. You gotta be honest. We have a lot of integrity here at IT Obsessed. I don't know about Howler Pod. We have no integrity None whatsoever. Yeah, sell out for anything. But yeah, so the military situation very interesting. It'd be interesting to see where, if anywhere, it goes from here. And after Ronu's speech, there's sort of the expectation. It seems like the other members of the TJA board are moving towards a, hey, let's think about this. Let's ruminate. Let's take a beat. We'll come back next month. Share our thoughts. I is like, nah, let's fucking do it now. And if we all don't agree, we're not doing it, which is a weird, like, I just thought that was kind of weird because I don't think that's how the TJA normally operates, that it needs unanimous approval for everything. Just Especially as a knee-jerk reaction to a 
an operation conducted by that clan's ally. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah, like a former <laughs> member of that clan, at least. Right. I, I mean, just the Yugaten, Yugaten oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, spy plane is what. Yeah. Like, this feels very orchestrated by Aitmata. Yes. Top to mm. bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like. That. I granted most of the clans are affiliated with one of the other side, but I just feel like if I were a minor clan, I'd be like, wait, why do we all have to agree? Like, if, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know he has like, you know, security council parallel where like, it seems like Hilo does actually have veto power if he needs to, but like, I'd be like, it seems like, you know, we could just do this as any other issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like Ronu is trying to take advantage of the moment, kind of a little bit of panic. But I don't think the clans are panicking in the same way that, like, people of the streets are. Mm-hmm. But Ait's speech and then some of the discussion around it and the decision to, like, hey, let's do this. We get to the introduction of Tobin Euro, who, you know, at first, Shay's like, who is that kind of burly guy next to Ait? He's not Iwe Tolundo. He's not the weatherman. I'd know if there was a new weatherman. This is kind of weird. Hilo's the one who knows he's a Tobin. And we see. We did like a little data dump about what's been going on, how the heir apparent Ait's Otto has taken Ait's name again. And it raises an interesting question. What's going on with the Tobins? What do we think is on the horizon for them? Seems like they're in line right now for the mountain, but I don't know. I I feel like that, that position is not a great place to be. <laughs> Ait Mata tends to kill those types of people, so... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> with prejudice so yeah it seems like they're there as a placeholder for the time being to mm-hmm. help I achieve her goals have some legitimacy yeah but I don't see it like being a long term thing for them mm-hmm. and it is I think it could also be a means of I keeping an eye on that family mm-hmm. like keeping them a little bit closer that's a good point, too. I thought two interesting things about it. It speaks sort of to like how orchestrated this all is. Like, Conveniently, she brought her guy who has a lot of military family, apparently. Right. So it tells us, you know, one, obviously she was thinking about this. And in addition to everything else, like the weirdness of bringing someone instead of her weatherman, like things are going on in the mountain clan is basically the vibe from it. But we also know that for all their new status, the fact that Tobin Euro has a bunch of family in the military, suggests maybe that they're not the best at this Jade Wood life. <laughs> yeah. That that is true. You've got a lot of military family members. It means you're a dead. <laughs> yeah. Your bloodline is toast. <laughs> and that gives I'd add a more pressure to, you know, put his family in better standing. Mm. Yeah. So he looked jumps in, obviously he's like, no. We're not fucking doing this. Shay baits him twice. First, she's like, you know, say we want to come back to it. Someone else tries to. I overrules that. Then she's like, stall. <laughs> he just <laughs> says no. And it's, again, another example of the disconnect between them. Uh, this but one was like particularly like, bad because it's like in front of everybody too. It's like well, and obvious. It's obvious what I Mod is doing. So why not like call her out on it? Mm-hmm. Like, you're clearly trying to make us look like the bad guys, but you don't actually want this to go through. You're counting on me to mm-hmm. veto it. 
you know, like, why not bring oxygen to her sneaky schemes? Yeah. And it seems like, you know, in Jade War, Hilo probably would have done that. And here it's almost like he's lashing out at Shay more by saying, like, by not listening right. to her more than he's actually trying to get back at Aitmana and counter her plan. To a degree, obviously, like he says, I'd rather be killed in the press than by her schemes. Yeah. So, so this, I don't know why this, like, came to my brain, but while Shay was trying and failing to send messages to to Hilo during this meeting, like scribbling up furiously on these pieces of paper. Why haven't they developed a way of like focusing their jade aura and like focusing on anger and then sadness and then happiness and like creating almost a special Morse code of <laughs> of auras that they know everybody can like perceive anyway? Like she could have a secret way of saying like hold or like simple commands in I don't know aura focusing but I don't know how well they can effectively do that. Either way, that type of movie, bruv. Either way, I think Hilo would still ignore her. Yeah, that's true. But also, everybody can perceive your aura. Would be able to perceive it too. So even if they don't know the code, Mm -hmm. like they see, they'll perceive whatever like it doesn't like, seem like something yeah. you can necessarily be like oh it's not like a mood ring where you can fade well, anger see her writing a message anyway yeah but they right? can't but read the message all the weathermen and advisors are probably doing the same with their pillar yeah. people mm-hmm. pillar people yeah I, don't know. I just don't think auras necessarily work that way because it's it's like a it's it's an amplifier like it's an extension of who you are mm-hmm. and it's weird that now suinson can manipulate his and hide his yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about was... Well, he's a freak. I, I My assumption is that he's just able to really effectively control his emotions, and that's what it's feeding off of. So Maybe he's a sociopath. Like that. Psycho killer. Didn't have emotions. I had to review that song. I would say, excellent. Thanks. Okay. Another interesting thing here is when Hilo's shutting down the general's proposal, he's like, hey, listen, we can take... You know, we can give you the increased shade. Like, we can take it from the fucking deities. That's easy. Which, you know, Hilo's war on religion continues. <laughs> but. <laughs> While they're in the room, too. Yeah. He doesn't. They don't. The deities must be creepy, honestly. Like, they don't talk. <laughs> and they just stare and, like, trans- whisper everything you say to the god. And it's like. I don't know about. I'm looking at you guys sideways. I don't know about it. It's like whispering to a cat in a room. Just trying to get oh, its yeah. attention. Yeah. So they leave the meeting. Shay and Hilo exchange terse words, to say the least. And then he's like, everyone's watching us be angry with another, one another. And they, they leave. He's schmoozing some people. She gets in the elevator and is approached by the weatherman of the Sitzhands Unity Clan, which I believe is the largest subsidiary clan of the mountain. It's known as a large one at the very least and controls a city on the southern coast of Teton. Be careful. Yeah, what do you think they're up to? <laughs> I don't know. It seems real, but at the same time, God, it's hard to trust anything that comes out of the mountain side of things. So, could that be yeah, the motivation same. behind this, though? And are they really willing to risk Aitmada's wrath? Seems like everyone else is pretty much cowed. Yeah, and she's like so plugged in, knows what's going on. She's got her weird reptile horned guy that can like feel everybody out i don't know 
Yeah. I So there is a lot of weight put on her reading the aura of this guy in the elevator. Yeah. And like not seeing anything hostile. What it, what a uh, fucking I can't trust anything when it's explicitly said to me. So like, for the fact that it's so explicitly said makes me think that there's something up. And I don't. I mean, there could be something up, and maybe he doesn't even know. Maybe he's a pawn. Yeah, that could be. Maybe Ite is a pawn. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's no way. There's no way. There's Ite's a pawn. Maybe he was in the elevator because Shay's hot. She a baddie. She knows she a 10. <laughs> Before we leave the KJA meeting, something I skipped over that Cross wanted to bring up is we got a new drug alert. Mm, yeah. SN2. SN2. Not as catchy mm-hmm. a name. Yeah. It's my first What if we takeover. add electric boogaloo <laughs> to the end of that? I'm in. <laughs> there we go. There we go. No, I just wanted to bring it up and sort of the idea that this is still under development, right? Like clearly technology in the world is advancing with Jade and around Jade continually. It's not out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And it makes sense. The first batch is it's not the best. Pretty soon we'll be able to use Jade. Huge yeah. dub. Kind of seems like the FDA version of SN1, if that makes yeah. sense, or Shine, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like they took the cocaine out, and now it's Tylenol <laughs> right. or whatever. Now it's Less. just Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Less fun, but still effective. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, they highlight the main differences as, like, less dependent, and, like, that. that's the main thing, like, fewer fewer side effects. But that brings yep. us at long last to the reason we're all here to talk about this chapter, and that is Shay and Woon. They drive home from Woon's like going away party, kind of is the way to phrase it. He's switched into his new position because we have another new position. Which I forgot to put the name down. I'll find it. Keep going. And they have like a very emotionally charged chat even before they start making out. They also had like the longest hug in the history of hugs. Mm-hmm. They're also like getting close without like, yeah, you like, know, yeah. like it's like, like shoulder knee. leaning and like grabbing arms yeah. and like, there was a lot. It's of, all they like walk together. <sighs> yeah. She dri- instead of driving him home and being like, we'll have someone bring your car to you. She drives to her house and it's like, just sober up. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. I felt like, oh, Roy passionate. I was like, this woman knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, inviting him inside and being like, you need to sober up. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you some clean clothes. <laughs> Got some tea. Yeah, it's it's not the best from Shay. Mm-hmm. She's um, thirsty for that puppy. She notices <laughs> but after exactly. she's like, I have the exact fucking same. yoked up, never noticed. Yeah, I have the exact same question wounded though. Like, why now? Like, what about this? Mm-hmm. She's no she longer seems dating to give Marrow. the excuse. Well, there's that, but she also seems to give the excuse that, like, I don't think I buy it, but it seems like she's trying to convey the idea, like, uh, you were my direct subordinate, mm-hmm. and you're not anymore as of now. Yeah, yeah. that seemed like bullshit. She's like, I don't me. want the HR report. That's way just like <laughs> the fucking paperwork. You wouldn't <laughs> yeah. believe it, Woon. Uh, did she watch like the video? Convenient excuse. I don't. I don't know. I just. Yeah, there's something else that's like, I don't know, I didn't, I read, I didn't understand this from Shay. That I mean, she says it pretty. She sums it up pretty well. 
terrible with men. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. And this is just like home record type behavior, especially like, you know, his wife's having miscarriages. Like that is tough. It's bad. I think though that she sees or suspects that Woon is unhappy. So, you know, she thinks that he wants it. Well, it's just like, to me, it's like, it reads more like, yes, she's allowing him to move on to this new role. And she always had him as her shadow. And so he was kept like, no matter what, when he was in that role, yes, they weren't together romantically, but she still had like, he was a kept man at that point, kind of like he was still highly devoted to her. Mm-hmm. And now that he's not going to be highly devoted to her, she's like, can't deal with that and wants to keep him in a way. Yeah. yeah. It seems like an immediate reaction to it because he is like, yeah. I'll probably drive here by mistake. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, which even then, uh, like when he was like, I'll probably jerk awake in the middle of the night. They didn't, I forgot to tell you something, <laughs> you know, he does that now. And just like, I was imagining like, that happening to me and just having like my partner wake up next to me with <laughs> even though like you know it's his job and it's very important but just like must be tough for his wife who's having issues starting a family with him right to have him wake up thinking of another woman like panic like that all the time definitely yeah so it just seems like it's a, her way of trying to hold on to him and not letting him go when she needs to let him go and then she did this, like, she fucked this up with Meryl, too, where she couldn't cut the cord and then ended up just, like, making everything way worse. And then when she finally did, it was the wrong time and ended up getting fucking make Ken killed. Or she has to be, like, because I, like, I like you, even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she not just because, like... Yeah, I don't yeah. start making out. She has to come down harder. <laughs> yeah. Pit aside. Yeah. Which, you know, relationships are tough, but still. You can be better than Shay. I I wonder if it's digging into it too much. The the comment about we were seeing other people and then Woon corrects her like, I still am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that was intentional in that, like she's seeing the cracks and doesn't see him as committed to his marriage right now. Yeah, maybe. yeah that was but very dismissive. Yeah. Or it's or it's entirely just super selfish. Like it, yeah, it's very either she's oblivious or really, really like in tune with it. Also, Shay seems to make these big mistakes when nothing's going well in her life. Mm. <laughs> so she, it's like she's looking for something to go well. It's like let's let's mm-hmm. blow something else up. Why not? Yeah. I just come through all of chapter seven and all of chapter three and i could not find it i think it must be in chapter eight where the name is formally given for the role that he ends up taking but regardless i literally read every word wow <laughs> you guys were talking so what do you think shay bad but, with men good with men yeah right we all agree <laughs> seal giver <laughs> doesn't seal giver yeah. Moon would t- know how to pick him it is chapter seven yeah chapter six you mean Yes, sorry. But yeah, that uh, Seal Driver, not as great oh, right. yeah, a name as Rainmaker, but pretty good. And we we get exposed to that, the reason why that name exists in that elevator ride with the six, what is it? The Six Hands United Clan, Unity Clan. Mm-hmm. 
where she's given the the business, business card. card with the seal mm-hmm. on the backside. Yeah, yeah. So. And I mean, how many of Shay's fucking chapters do we start with? Her calling her assistant and asking her to delay, like, to cancel all her meetings for the day, or like, she's in a meeting. <laughs> this, like, a lot of meetings from Shay. So this is just going to free up her time. She's going to be doing fucking big brain mm-hmm. business moves now. Mm-hmm. Just big brain shit. None of the politicking. Get Which, out of that. Frankly, she's not great at. She's very awkward as a person. True. All right. With that, let's go to chapter seven. A new friend. We return to Barrow in the clanless future during a meeting. He meets a girl named Emma and listens to Gurio continue to talk a big game about the rebellion against the clan. During the presentation, an Egatanian named Molovny stands up and offers his friendship to the burgeoning rebellion. Motherfuck. I like the way you said Mol- <laughs> Say that again, the name? Molovny? That was sick. Molovny. I, I wish you were, there. I wish you were doing his talking. That was Molovny. Yeah. I can do a decent impression. But yeah, continue rebellious acts targeting both of the clans. And uh, what what do we think of sort of this chapter, Barrow, the speeches? It was a pretty easy one, all told. This Malovny dude feels like a plant. Yeah. What's going on there? There's something something ratty about him. Like for do, the mountain? Do you think that he's a... Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, mountain or ulterior motives of other foreign entities yeah i would like egaton try to weaken kcon as a whole so they can't help Asvenia. i don't know even sidestepping the mountain you're yeah. saying potentially yeah hey listen i mean did the Aspenians not want foreign refugees in kcon for that exact reason maybe who remembers that perhaps mm-hmm yeah, I don't think there's like a ton to this chapter, but it was interesting to see how this movement is like gathering some momentum. I especially liked like the list of people that were <laughs> there, like anarchists and <laughs> just like the people are, that are upset about stuff, like students. And it's just like, it is kind of the old new green. Yeah. It was like yeah. the, the Trump meme where he's like, the anarchists, the looters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. And then, yeah, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me from the chapter is this Malovny fella and how he's going to get involved. And if he is a plant, he's, he's not keeping it on the DL. He's like first meeting like, hey, look at me. Yeah. And he speaks Kekinese pretty well. So... That, I thought that was interesting as well. It's like, it seems like maybe he has relations with somebody. Molovny. Mm-hmm. I know Molovny. Itatan is very clearly like a USSR stand-in, but the second I heard the name Molovny, I was like, oh, so it's just Russia. It's just straight up. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no parallel. It just is. We're drawing an immediate connection in case you didn't catch it. I was it. like, this is, um, well, let's just call it Russia from now on. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to bring up as well, Barrow and his approach. Well, A, so he's he's still got like some racial resentments going on throughout this chapter. But at the same time, he's like willing to overlook that just for his <laughs> overall hatred of the clans, which is like, all right, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, dang. good job. <laughs> got you've got a thing going on. He really needs to work on his game. His conversation with Emma. <laughs> with Emma, really yeah. He's, he's like, like, I used to have Jade, was, right? I used, well, to, I used to have a lot of Jade. <laughs> <laughs> Sure you did. Yeah, this was 
basically the same mistake that Shay made. Yeah. Know, <laughs> in the bar. Yeah. It's also true. funny because he's like, he, I'm young, but also ugly. So that means I'm interested. <laughs> I'm fucked up. <laughs> I got fucked up. Okay. <laughs> It's like, it seems like if you're not a rich person in Taytown, life is pretty hard. So I don't know how interesting yeah. that made you. Yeah. I can imagine there's a lot of scarred young men running around. It could be a manufacturing accident. Mm-hmm. Shipyard accident. I, you know, the, the moot comparison I think is apt, of course. But man, when I originally wrote these notes, I, you know, I do like quick bullet points. I, I wrote. Pharaoh has no game. Yeah. <laughs> That's my first note. So I'm glad you guys brought it up because I didn't want to be so direct. But yeah. Don't talk about Very yourself, accurate. bro. Ask her questions about her. Also, don't talk during a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, like to the point where the speaker <laughs> makes direct eye contact with you. And you're, you're friends sharing. with him. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're kind of like quasi friends with the dude. And you're like, no, 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 I had to hit on her. If they were real friends, his his friend would understand. Not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, she, she's a bad. Of course, we though, end, You know. True. True. Yeah. It's fair. So we do end the chapter, of course, with Malovny kind of stepping in and having that side of the conversation, the proposal of friendship, and being willing to offer basically his assistance to this uh, to this rebellion, which is interesting. Like you said, potential plant. There's a lot of things going on here. A lot of sus. Any bets? I'll ask. I'll solicit. You don't have to. I bet that he is connected with Aitmata or the Mountain Clan as a whole. I'll I'll get on that as well. Why not? Why not? Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. All right. Go down together. We're all three. Of you, huh? And I, I love. Yeah. I don't need to get more specific than that right now. But. No, you do need to get more specific. That's always the no, rule. No, PJ, I don't think pull us Aitmata out of the bus specifically <laughs> agrees that the future is clanless, but not in the same way that they mm. think. I think she thinks that she can dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, like one clan, one clan to rule them all. And if there's one clan, okay, it's not really a clan anymore. It's just the country's government. That was the Lord right. of the Rings, buddy from. We did. Yes. <laughs> I, I also got it. One clan. One clan. All right. Cool. Chapter eight. Speaking for the family. Andon is successfully into his second year as a medical student and appears to be crushing it from what we can see. So much so that he has chosen to serve as a representative to a trade mission to Itspenia to demonstrate the effectiveness of Jade as a medical tool. After being approached, he is supported by the Nopi clan and travels to Espenia as part of the team representing the medical jade disciplines. While there, he attends to other clan business, meeting with Kelly Doubt, eldest child of the Doubt family, and returning to Southtrap for dinner at the Heons. All right. So throughout this, we get sort of the understanding of how Andon can channel like blood flow and like cut off blood flow to different like to the tumor specifically mm-hmm. but i'm just imagining like a professional relay ball with a green bone or professional relay ball team with a green bone physician on retainer to like assist in muscle development <laughs> through channeling <laughs> <laughs> yoked i love I was, where your brain i went. like that a lot 
I was well, <laughs> when you started talking. I was I was picturing Lem doing kind of like Mr. Miyagi type stuff for the injuries. You know, we're at like the Relay Ball World Cup. We're down <laughs> star whatever they have star first whatever they called it. He's down. We gotta get him, and he just yeah, yeah. But this just very specifically like opened up the implications of what channeling can do, mm-hmm. and it. I I hope to see it exploited in really cool ways, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I really like the description of the medical jade and just like how they use it. And I thought that was really cool. So definitely want to see more of that. Yeah, it seemed cooler than, and it might just be because but it seemed cooler than the martial jade disciplines in a lot of ways. Just like how subtle it is, how in depth and the maneuverability of it all. Yeah, and the description of him like feeling like perceiving the body and mm-hmm. I don't know, like going into it and like following the veins and stuff. That was that was really awesome. Yeah. Love a like anytime we did a description of a new jade ability, mm-hmm. it's like top of the list of things to talk about. Yeah, it's wild to me. Like you were saying, like just sort of the differences in the way that perception is explained now in this sort of context just makes it so much more intense and especially the way in which perception is valued makes you think like okay if i did enough like focus on lightness could you fly like wh- where's the limit mm. on some of these other disciplines mm-hmm. like we've had so Trinity. much focus <laughs> yeah we, we've just had so much focus in in things like channeling what about steel what could you really pull off with steel and some of the other disciplines yeah like could you steal fist and combine it and like punch through somebody or something cool something crazy yeah yeah interesting now my head's racing quite frankly (laughs) that's the covid i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) all right so are we surprised that andon is doing so well at medical school not really he's a straight a a student He's shown that he's good like he's he's good at school good at everything he does really Mm -hmm. i mean once he puts his mind to something like he's he's successful at it so i'm not surprised at all Mm -hmm. and like we know he's not the best academic student but he's a hard worker right it's up for a lot plus his head is in it this time yeah 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 it was cool to see him like actually enjoying himself Mm -hmm. seemed like and like knowing that he was competent yeah well he already brought good about it to life right he's kind of gone yeah all the way to the necromancy (laughs) deep end there so after his demonstration of this like surgery thing going on, the Aspenians approach him and they're like, you know, we want to demonstrate this to our colleagues in Aspenian. Look how, and get this going over there. And there's an interesting way Andon internalizes this and like reacts to this is interesting and a huge sign of progress for him, I think. Yeah, he, he makes sense of it pretty quick. It's because he looks Aspenian. Right. So the prejudices of people who might not want to use jade would be softened just by his appearance alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I was like, he would normally, if this was book one, he'd be like, reacting very angrily. What do you mean I look a spinion? Yeah. Probably fight them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm from Jan He Lin. acknowledges that here. He, he says for the first time, he like, sees this this difference as a positive yeah 
Yeah, I just I feel like it speaks to he's just a more worldly person at this point. He has more perspective. He's gotten older. Like this is just more an adult version of Andon. And mm-hmm. like he's not as small minded because now he knows Espinians and he speaks Espinian. He's gone to school there. So he's not as like prejudiced against his father's side of the family. What do we think about the trade mission? like proposal and then obviously it comes to fruition but what do we think about that proposal as a whole to me it seems like the more espinians are exposed to jade the more that they are like wow this is like good shit that we can take advantage of to use in all these different ways but it's more like we don't want our citizens to have it but like we as the espinian government are finding like all kinds of ways that we can start using this to our advantage and the more their exposure they get, more experience they get with it, the more they're like, yeah, we want more, we want more, we want more. Do you think so? this should be a Trojan horse and they're trying to get like PJ's sports theory, but maybe they're trying to get some like Jade super soldiers going with this medical channeling? I wouldn't put it past them for sure. They're, I think it feels like they're open to like <laughs> whatever they can do with it. Were these surgeons there on behalf of the Espanian government or was it I think it, it was just a university kind of a col- yeah, coalition yeah. of of physicians I think private citizens how yeah, they so present it, themselves at least right that is a bit contradictory I guess in that like would they even be allowed to do this under their current laws yeah I think if they can show I think it's, it's kind of like stem cell research yeah. when it was uh illegal or more illegal than it is now where like they're trying to show the benefits of it so that they can get it the restrictions around it loosened maybe is a good Mm -hmm. comparison yeah that seems to be shay's outlook on it and i I think that makes sense but it seemed like the surgeon was trying to convince the medical community as Mm -hmm. opposed to lobby the government yeah yeah but i i think that there's always a route in through the medical community in a lot of those cases i would compare that to like the psilocybin stuff going on right now right like Mm -hmm. actively they're like it's not just a hippie drug that people were doing to get high way back in the day it's actually really great for a number of things also getting high (laughs) also getting high yep but in doses it's really good for people with you know various maladies ailments Andin, after this, after being approached by the Espenian doctors, visits the tall estate, and he finally seems like confident in his own standing and who he is and his role for the clan. Maybe a little too confident, I'm not going to lie to you guys, but <laughs> one thing that I liked a lot was how he tells them he wants to go to Espenia, and is very he's just on his standing on his own feet here. Agreed, that was definitely a difference yeah. than in the past. Where he's like coming in cowed and mm-hmm. can I do this? And she's like, haha, remember when you didn't want to go? Yeah. Now he's like, I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was yeah, right. like Shay seemed like the childish one here. Yeah. And I think if it wasn't so tense with Hilo, it would come across the way she was trying mm-hmm. to make it a little a little bit lighthearted <laughs> and like, yeah, we're on the all on the same page, but like, remember this? Mm-hmm. Whereas it kind of works against him in the moment because it's it's tense in Hilo's mind. Yeah. Or it's un, undetermined in Hilo's. Hilo's just a big uh, Debbie Downer. Yeah. He's <laughs> in a bad place right now. He's going to like... He is. 
It's tough to watch. He's a sad boy. Yeah. It's episode one of season seven of Game of Thrones. No one's in a good place. Some of our main characters are dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Once Hilo agrees that Andy should go to Espenia, Nico has an outburst and he runs in. Again, we see, you know, listening when maybe he quote unquote shouldn't be listening. But he's just like, don't let him go. Don't make him go. That's where bad things happen to Ma. It's very sad. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I don't think Espenia was the problem. I think it's maybe your Uncle Hilo. <laughs> well, in that instance, it wasn't really Hilo's fault. Yeah. We need some sort of system to keep this kid in his room. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it does seem to be getting or into... Out of, the, out of the office. Seems, yeah. But yeah, so Andon ultimately goes to Espenia and... The mission appears to have made inroads, inroads, even if it's not like resounding home run of a success at first. But it seems like things are moving in the right direction there. And then he meets with Kelly Doubt, Corey's older sister and a fairly high up government official in the Espenian government. There's a lot going on here. He wasn't having it. Yeah, she's pretty cold. She seems like she's completely disowned her heritage and is fully a Spenian and doesn't want anyone to think otherwise. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. I'm sure she's faced a lot of racism and prejudice because of her ethnicity and she's, instead of being proud of it, she's completely rejected it. Yeah, that seems like the way that Nothing to see her. here. I'm fully a Spenian. I don't mm-hmm. even speak Kekanese, even though she does. To a certain degree, I think it kind of makes sense in that she is a representative of the Espenian government. Like, she has to act in a way that benefits Espenia. But there was some venom. Mm. There was some personal venom. Like, Yeah, I would I would agree 100%. Like, at first I was like, is she acting like this just because she has to, like, in her official capacity? But like maybe on the side, she'll be like, "It seemed personal." But yeah, I would agree with you guys. Yeah. I think it seemed like a personal thing. She's like, "My parents are living in the past in this outdated yeah clan." She was like, "The future is clanless." Kelly's <laughs> at least jadeless, yeah, yeah, jadeless for sure. Even the refusal to speak Kekanese mm-hmm. when Andon like is initiating the conversation that way and is clearly more comfortable speaking that way i don't know if it was power i don't know if she's kind of in the opposite camp like she knows kekanese but doesn't feel as confident speaking there she's got to be fluent in both just because how she was raised right well she understood things that he was saying yeah yeah but maybe she doesn't have a lot of confidence speaking it or yeah i do think there is that question because she does seem to have rejected her heritage so strongly or have some sort of resentment towards her heritage. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Aaron, I, it, a lot of it probably is because of what she had to endure to get to where she is in her career now. But yeah, I, I do think there is a question of, is she still comfortable speaking the language at least? But I'm sure if she gave it a week of like practicing, she'd be great again, but who knows if she should do it now. I, I fully think it was a rejection of being Kekani. I tend to lean that way mm-hmm. too. Yeah. 
She's like, nope, yeah. I'm a Spinian and I don't, I'm not going to help, you know, the clan because of some mm-hmm. old belief system. Yeah. The unfortunate part or the most unfortunate part is that it seems like she's also entirely forsaken the Kekanese heritage on Espenian soil. Like doesn't mm. seem to really like the way her her parents run things at in South Trap and just feels like the erasure of that culture would be a benefit for Espenia in general. Mm-hmm. That it's tough. Yeah, it's it's reminiscent of the Heon's sons saying that South Trap is from an ethnic ghetto. Mm-hmm. It does seem like, you know, it's it's a mirror image of some of the things in the real world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bad at the Heon's, and then again, you know, we get a little more vintage and in here, a little fish out of water element for our boy. Still a little awky. He's not one hundred percent confident, but then who is at all times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was himself. <laughs> like, I mm-hmm. don't know. He, <laughs> you can't really expect that much of a change out of him and for this situation. Yeah. yeah. It seemed also, to be fair, like they were more awkward around him, sort of like yeah. when, after he killed Gaunt, Ash, and his classmates are all weird treating him That's like a, good point too. a fist. Yeah. Yeah, people are more like formal towards him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one's like insulting him anymore. <laughs> In crumb, a like, crumb. you know, loving way. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's an obligation. It feels like an obligation to speak to him a certain way and not treat him like the friend that he was for years. Especially from Tori, who is very aloof, maybe very distant. Got a girl cool. on his arm. Yeah, I was going to say, it felt like he was playing it cool, like he didn't care. Mm-hmm. Probably does. Definitely does. Yeah. Bring in a girlfriend, though. Come on, Corey. Yeah, you, I feel like Tor- that's, that's how you know he cares. And you know that's going to like hurt Andon's feelings. And he's like, yeah. shows up late and leaves early so that he didn't have to talk yeah. to Andon. Is that a little bit for his dad, too, though? Could be. Like, yeah. Look at this thing that you made us do. Like, here's the fruits of it. I'm seeing a woman. Maybe you'll get what you wanted. I don't know. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's interesting. It makes sense. Speaking of Doubt Lawson, our guy getting old out here. And did notice he had to take some pills with his meal. Hey, me too, brother. Fair, honestly. <laughs> but there's an interesting quote here from Doubt Lawson, which I don't think we've heard before. Fade warriors are young, and then they are ancient. Hard on a body. It, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Looking at, like, Kal Sen and Doru, Pretty effective leaders until suddenly they're not pretty ruthless and then decrepit. Mm-hmm. Kind of like all of the current Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, retire already. Move on. The reason, though, for Doubt's conversation with Andy is not just to talk about how old he is, but to talk to him about Tar's behavior and the way that's not necessarily going to help things when it comes to moving the needle on public perception of Jade and Espenia. Yep. Yeah. Tar shocking everyone on both sides with his level of torture. <laughs> but it is interesting. And in, you know, he's trying to use Jade as a healing device. And Dauk's warning against Jade being only seen as a weapon 
And it's like, Andon's like, I'm doing my best. You know, like, Andon's trying to help bring medicine now to Spenia since this new development. Channeling, I should say. So he's like, you know, I'm sure it doesn't matter what anyone says to Tar. No one's going to, especially not Andon. No one's going to be able to talk to Tar about his behavior. I just love that he's like, you cannot be doing that shit over here. <laughs> like, you can kill our enemies, but not like that. I think that it also kind of goes against the idea that Tar did it strictly for himself. Like, if he allowed Espenian Greenbones to be party to it and, like, spread rumors about it afterwards, like, there, there's a showing of ruthlessness that was inherent in that as well. Like, a statement was made. And maybe make Tar is entirely oblivious to it. Yeah, he might not be smart enough to be I think, yeah. <laughs> to see that. <laughs> I think from Tar's perception, it was more oh, utility. Because yeah. he says, like, making multiple fake personas to get into Chaiton would have been hard. So he needs to use them mm-hmm. to an extent. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. obviously, I feel like I meant more so, like, they're not displaying the body and being like, here's what happens. Crews keep away from the Chaitonese population. Yeah. So, of course, the people there he knew are going to, like, talk about it to doubt, but I don't think it... I mean, it wasn't for, like, a wider message. Okay. But it did, obviously, to your point, get out in a way that is impacting No Peach's mission abroad with their allies, though. (laughs) So it's even worse, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That is all I have. I had a note about a quote on page 85. Don't know (laughs) what that was, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, I read, I reread the page and I was like, there's some decent stuff in there, but nothing that I feel like needs to be pointed out. I think Screams, they say Andon sure. is too green for the city, which I, I like whenever we learn about mm-hmm. how green that is actually. It's good to see you, Andon. You're always too green for the city, but I'm glad you visit. That is nice. Yeah. It's a nice quote. Fonda's just like excellent at writing, though, so we know that. Good job, Kobe Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> COVID brain made it through. Made it through. All right, so that brings us to our closing thoughts, and of course, that's that's who won the week, who won the the sad depresso. Oh, I was going to say Andon. Ooh, Barrow. We got a Barrow. We got Nanded. I like the idea of Barrow, but I feel like he didn't really do anything. This his second chapter. Meta hottie. Flubbed it. Yeah, <laughs> he's got weird luck though. <laughs> Might work uh, out. Emma. Got that. What about wound? How do they describe his face? Got a little boob. I have have a wound take. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I was going to say. You know, he felt up his boss. (laughs) He's been wanting to for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I would go with Andon. Seems to have the the fewest fuck ups. (laughs) Oh my God. That's such a great measure. What do you guys think? Cross, you go first, because I need to think still, if that's okay. I feel like I would throw it to Barrow. I'm not going to lie. Andon does have a number of wins, and I would say of the Call family, Andon wins. But I think that Barrow has shown the most growth, (laughs) as awful as that is, even though he fucked up. He fucked up less than he would have books ago (laughs) if you were talking to a girl, you know? Like, this is still better. I think, so I want to say Barrow, however... We know he's got the weird luck of the gods on him. And so mm-hmm. it seems too early for him to truly win. So I'm not sure. going to say Barrow. I'm going to go on a wild take here. I'm going to say when won. 
And it's because mm. of her perseverance and her like, I don't know if quiet dignity is the right word, but like, I was just so impressed and moved by her and how hard she's fucking fighting and how like she's everything in her life is falling apart and she's still just plugged in, plugged in, plugged in and still just such a still so green in her soul. So I will say when one the week. All right. It's a good call. It's a good call. I'm sticking with Barrow. All right. <laughs> I didn't think we mentioned it, but I also <laughs> wanted to say I loved the moment between Andon and Wynn at the party. Yes, we did not mention it. Mm-hmm. That is, mm-hmm. I agree. That was very, they um, both went through shit together. Lovely. Yeah. It, Nothing bonds you quite like dying and give me some good feelings. Almost dying resurrected together. Yeah. yeah. And they had, they had been bonding in Espenia before that. And they right. had become quite close as the, and they have that, you know, the two unlucky ones of the family. Mm-hmm. And now they're, now they're, they've turned it into a strength and not a, yeah, like they're paired by choice, <laughs> even, even though they have like the, it's, it makes sense to outsiders probably that the two unlucky ones would like clomp together. But that's not why. It's because they are the two like greenest calls in some ways mm-hmm. that they paired up like that. But yeah. Next week, second episode of Jade Legacy, where we will be talking about chapters 9 through 14. Do not read 15. Oh, Do not no. read 15. So that's going to bring us to the end of part one of the book as well. It's just a fun note there. But that's where we're going to leave you for this week. Thank you, as always, Tim and Andrew. You make the show happen. Check out the show notes. You can find the schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, websites, social media accounts in one consolidated location. Don't forget to rate and review five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will slit your throat. Wow, dude. That's a lot. <laughs> it's not even I was like, let you take a boat ride with me, Tar, or something. That'd be worse. Well, that was just, it sounds explicit. <laughs> I was thinking tear dash you at a casino. <laughs> and there were a lot of options and we went with death. She went with I'm, I'm not done. After we, oh. we kill you, we will dissolve all your family businesses and properties mm. to people who do give us five stars. Nice. Okay. She brought it back around. <laughs> back around. I would say yeah. you, you landed that plane despite some unruly passengers. <laughs> oh, man. With that, like PJ had mentioned, you can find us Words Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show, gmail.com, patreon.com forward slash Words and Whiskey, t shirts on T Public. You can find Howler Pod at H O W L E R P O D on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find High Key Obsessed at High Key. Is it High Key O Pod or is it High Key, High Key Obsessed Podcast? Now you'll never learn Obsessed Podcast. Damn it! One of these days I'll get to write. Well, Twitter is High switching. Key o Podcast, but I don't use the Twitter That's anymore. Thought. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, this fuck Elon Musk. Yeah. Thank you so much for your support. It really means the world to us. We'll see you next week. Love Bye. you. Bye. Bye.